Hey guys, we're here today with top fives and deep dives. Got me, Justin. We have Mike on the other end. Hey guys. And if you're not familiar with what we do, we either do a top five list or we deep dive on a topic. Today we are doing a top five rom-com list. Top five romantic comedies and... The format of this episode, we're going to each give our top fives. We're going to go from five to one. We're going to give some honorable mentions after. And then we're going to talk about a couple films that are a bit of alternative rom-coms. Maybe they don't fall under the exact definition one would think when you think rom-com, but it could be argued. And Mike, what would you say the qualifications for for a rom-com are? Uh, well, I would say that we, we struggled and I'm not sure that we came up with anything in particular besides you just sort of know. But I think for, for me, I tried to pick movies that were equal parts, sort of romance and comedy. Um, movies that were centered around kind of the relationship uh, sort of from start to finish uh and movies maybe that didn't fit into another category better like a buddy comedy or maybe just a drama or something like that uh i don't know how about you yeah i think i'm pretty we're on a pretty similar wavelength i think that i followed pretty much all of those and then yeah i i i think you might have put it put it perfectly i'm trying to put other words to it and i can't right now and like you said, some of them we really, I mean, we just kind of went with our gut. This feels like one, this doesn't. So we'll talk about some that didn't make it to our list uh, because we just really weren't sure if they counted or not. Yeah, I think the gut thing is funny because I, I, I believe a lot of people listening will think when you see a rom-com, you know it's a rom-com. And it almost if you have to question it, if you're, eh, was that a rom-com, then, then it might not be a rom-com. So then maybe just leave it off. And that definitely probably led the way more than anything else in my list, at least. But there, of course, the, the, the pieces that Mike just gave, sort of his qualifications, I used those as well. And... Yeah, I wish I could add more. I wish I could add more, but I can't. Um, so that brings me to the fact that we have a special guest today. Special guest that's going to be joining us, making her own top five. We thought it'd be great to get a female perspective in here. And so today we have Alexandra Curran, my girlfriend, and also the possibly most controversial guest star of the Netflix series Selling Sunset in season one. Hey, Alex. Hi, how's it going? Second guest ever. Welcome to the podcast, Alex. First ever female guest. Breaking First. ground. I'm excited to go deep diving with you guys. <laughs> <laughs> and top five. And top fiving. Top fiving and deep diving. <laughs> <laughs> to be clear, that is the name of the podcast. 
<laughs> it's a great name. Oh, thank you. Awesome. So Should we're, we just... we're doing rom-coms. Yeah. I think I think we should dive right into it. Let's do it. So, Alex, before we started today, she said, don't you guys dare say ladies first. She said, you guys go first. So we're going to heed her wishes. And Mike, let's have you go first. Okay. I'll take that to mean I'm the manliest person here, the least lady. <laughs> Therefore, I go first. I'll take that. Some would say that's probably true. <laughs> my, my beard is outrageous these days. It's it's back to college levels and beyond. Um, my number five, after much deliberation, is high fidelity. Ooh. Wow! Came out in two thousand. Uh, if anyone's interested, it's a ninety-one percent Rotten Tomatoes, ninety percent audience score. So I feel like I should be well supported from our audience um starring john cusack uh joan cusack is in it jack black is legendary in it uh the main female lead is i'm so so sorry to the people of denmark (laughs) i have no idea how to pronounce this person's name i consulted my wife who's danish we came up with eben hiela I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. I have no idea. Um, but yeah, this movie. It, oh, it's for people that don't know. It's um, it's an adapted. Uh, it's adapted from a, a British novel set in kind of North London, and the movie is set in Chicago. Uh, but besides that, it's, it's more or less the same. Um, I the reason this made it to number five is because. Of all the movies that I watched in preparation for this podcast, this one feels the most real. Like the characters, uh, both in terms of their like record store shenanigans and snobbery and like the emotional aspect of it feel incredibly real. Uh, It doesn't rely on like, you know, meet cutes and weird like coincidences that make the story run. It just is a man talking about his kind of exes and feeling that kind of raw emotional impact of it. And at at the same time, I should also add, it's really kind of a guy's rom-com, if you could say that, but with the same sort of, you know, crushing insecurity and jealousy that you get in a lot of other rom-coms. Jack Black is incredible. I think he has a, as much as he's a great actor, it's really like he has a tremendous ability to be like a supporting role. And he's so good in this. And uh, it's set in Chicago, so that is always going to help you bump up my list. Um, but lastly, what I had kind of like forgotten 100% about this movie is that it relies totally on top five lists. This is our rom-com. I mean, the whole it's premise true. of the movie is that he's just talking about his five most memorable breakups. And then there's like a slew of other top five lists throughout the movie such as top five musical crimes perpetrated by Stevie Wonder in the 80s and 90s. Like, I just, I was losing it watching this because I forgot that whole aspect. And I I fucking love this movie. Case closed. Case closed. I have to say, very much respect the call. Funny thing about High Fidelity is that for so many years, because I have a few other friends that are very into this film, and for years, for some reason, I had never seen it. 
And I was told by one friend repeatedly, you need to see this movie. It is literally made about you. He's like, you like rom-coms and it's about top five lists. And he's, he knew that I always would top five everything and make everything into a ranking. And he's like, I do not understand how you haven't seen this movie. It's as if it was made for you. I finally did see it. Love it. I think the fact that I saw it so late in life is why it probably isn't on my top five compared to maybe someone that saw it a little bit younger. I literally saw this film in the last like three years, if that's believable. I can't believe it took me so long, but great choice. And and Jack Black, arguably one of, if not his breakout role, like where he really showed like, wow, like he can really support a film well. Yeah. And this role was basically like, he didn't audition for it. It was written for him. Um, John Cusack, and I think a couple other people involved, producers, were familiar with him um, even at this time and were just like, this is exactly the person that we need. And he kills it. And and I said it, like, obviously he's good as a leading man in some movies, but th- he is maybe the best out there at maximizing these smaller roles that he has and just being legendary. And he's so good throughout the movie, but then the, the final scene where he's just like giving this like concert is just incredible. Amazing. Have you seen that, Al? I'm going to disappoint you. No. Wow. I haven't seen it. I've heard the name a lot, but I don't know. I've just never... What year was it again? 2000. Oh, so it's it's kind of after a lot of yeah. the other more iconic <laughs> John Cusack um, rom-coms, but it is... And it is really a guy's movie. I mean, there's not much insight into like kind of the female perspective. Um we but I, I still think we should watch it. Gal right here. I know. Yeah. Anything in ni- 99 and a, well, 2000 well, and above, you know. It's definitely better than <laughs> Say Anything. That's what you're going to say. I can oh, confirm I that. do love Say Anything, though. But this, I'll have to, trust, once, trust. once I'm off the podcast, I'll go take a watch. We might have to watch <laughs> it tonight. <laughs> Highly recommend. Of course, it is only number five, so. Yeah, that means there's, poten- that there's potentially the 14 movies we're about to say that are better than mine. So, wow. Well, with- great way to start us off. It was, you know, such a relief hearing the first top five. <laughs> I do feel, I do feel relieved. Also, waiting. <laughs> Ever- Everton won today, so I'm in an incredible mood, and I just feel great. Perfect. Unbelievable. <laughs> and you know, we have we have a man right now living in the UK talking to a lady that grew up a little bit in the UK. Wow. A whole a whole transition here. We've got mixes and then just you, Justin. Just yeah. No connection to the UK at all, except through well, Alex. So, yeah. It... <laughs> gotta love the UK. Seriously. You gotta love it. All of Alex's mom's family, besides her mom, still lives there. They do. Yeah. It's a great place. Can't wait to go back as soon as things go somewhat back <laughs> yeah, to normal. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so that's not happening. Uh, so, you know, so we'll big shout out to Nick Hornby <laughs> who wrote High Fidelity from the UK. That's hey. we can bring it full circle. And I guess over to you, Justin. Yeah, okay. number five. So my number five, which I toiled over, toiled over. I can't wait to give a couple honorable mentions because this this spot was up for grabs but i decided my number five goes to the 2012 film silver linings playbook 
Wow. Okay. So if you're unfamiliar with this, it was with Bradley Cooper and Jennifer Lawrence as the two leads. Also had Robert De Niro. It had a very rare appearance from Chris Tucker. It had Jackie Weaver, Julia Stiles in a, in a very bit role as well. It was written and directed by David O. Russell, who also did The Fighter. Um, and the, the long and the short of it is Bradley Cooper had done a stint in a mental institution after he had a breakdown uh, because his ex, he found his ex-wife cheating on him. And so he moves back in with his parents in Philadelphia. And then he meets Tiffany, played by Jennifer Lawrence, who is is a, is a girl with some problems of her own that that's sort of the that's the lead into the film and so a reason that i struggled when i first saw this movie i saw it in theaters it blew me away i walked out of the theater just it was funny it was it hit, tugged at all my heartstrings it was very emotional and, and in a serious way, too, that a lot of rom-coms aren't, which is at first why I struggled to maybe put this on the list, because it has its dark moments that, it, that it's not light. It's not like a light movie the whole time. But I'll never forget seeing it. And I, I think I even saw it twice in theaters. I loved it so much. And... It had such an impact on me to the point that I still think about it eight years later that even with a few of these other films that probably a little bit more classically fall into the rom-com realm, this felt like one to pick. I also didn't think you guys would be picking this movie regardless of your feelings on it. So I, I wanted to include it and... Yeah, I love it. I, I think it's Bradley. I think it's for both actors, him and Jennifer Lawrence. I think it's one of their best moments on screen. And yeah, I'll, I'll say that I also love how they draw football into it, which is a random tidbit. But it's I think it's funny, just some random things is that Bradley Cooper is actually a diehard Eagles fan, just like in the movie. And throughout the film, that's sort of like, you know, their family is obsessed with the Eagles. All of the outcomes of every game are all of the real outcomes from the 2008 season, which is like a cool random tidbit. But back to why I love it. I just, I fell in love with Jennifer Lawrence here. It, it made me love her as an actress. This is what made me take Bradley Cooper more seriously. It just hit me in all the right places. And it's one of De Niro, I think, one of his better later in his career roles. But I love, I love it. I love it. I felt like it deserved a shout out and a spot on the list. It's a great movie, but it, it feels more of like, not as much as a rom-com. I don't know. I'm, I, I'm a little torn here. Oh! <laughs> I, 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 I saw when it came out, and I don't remember thinking it was that funny, but 
I admittedly only saw it once eight years ago, so I trust you here. So it, you are right in the sense of it is more dramatic, I think, than maybe most of our any movies will have on the rest of the list. But it is funny throughout, like the way that the two of them interact. There's lots of laughs because of sort of his both of their con- mental states, yeah. and then also yeah. De Niro's fucking hilarious in it with it's all about the juju you can't mess up the juju for the eagles winning and everything has to be perfect and if you move the remote of the tv and as as someone that has like a level of ocd myself i just find it fucking hilarious because de niro is so far down the spectrum into so ocd and it's yeah it is it is Giving to bo- what both you, both of you are saying, it doesn't have that cheery rom-com feel. And it might be, maybe of all the movies we're about to drop, it might be the most debated in terms of, is it a straight-up rom-com? But I'm willing to roll so, those. So you jumped ahead to the not rom-com. Hell rom-com. no. There's, there's, <laughs> I think it's a rom-com. I really do. But I, I think you're def- so defended there. I've seen it on several lists with rom-coms. I think we'll give it to you. But I think you're also showing why we all struggled with this because the definition is just so subjective. Yes, it really is. It really is. And for all you film lovers, just, just a couple little facts about this film that I found really interesting is other than a Rush Hour movie, this was the first film Chris Tucker had been in since Jackie Brown in 1997, which was a 15 year gap. And that film also featured Robert De Niro. Wow. Pretty cool. And the other thing is that David O. Russell, who wrote this script, it took him five years to write. He wrote it because his own son has bipolar and OCD and it really resonated with him because of that and so he wanted to write the script in part due to his son which i found was pretty cool that's awesome yeah anywho now it's now it's time for what you really reveal been like sweating over here hey uh, i cannot wait so my number five drum roll sleepless in seattle Oh, oh, okay. All right. <laughs> of course, a complete chick flick. But, um, and if you've never seen Sleepless in Seattle, we have a problem. You both have seen it, right? I've I seen have. it because of you. Okay. That's a <laughs> terrible excuse. Um, but yeah, Sleepless in Seattle was done in 1993, and it was written and directed by Nora Ephron, who also did, obviously, When Harry Met Sally. So, two Meg Ryan flicks. Both great. Well, she did a. She's done three. You've got she mail. Also too. did you've got mail. Oh yeah. Yeah. Which is absolute right. trash. Yeah. Uh, well, we can talk about that. I hate that. <laughs> oh it's so funny. I was actually reading an article the other day that was saying that you've got mail just does not fit in this day and age. It's I, it's. Oh I my completely God. disagree. I watched it for the first time. Again, oh, I, right. I know that it's crazy that I'm seeing these films for the first time now. But I had seen that for the first time this year because Alex and I watched it because she loves it from back in the day. And I was blown away. I thought it was unbelievable. Okay. 
let's talk about sleepless in Seattle, and then I can tell you why you've got male socks. Perfect. But sleepless in Seattle has, of course, the great Tom Hanks, Meg Ryan, Rita Wilson, Victor Garber, Bill Pullman, and Rosie O'Donnell. Love Bill Pullman. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. So good. Such a great movie. And yeah, if you don't know Sleepless in Seattle, basically Tom Hanks loses his wife and him and his son move to Seattle from Chicago, another whoop whoop to Chicago. Big um, shout out, Jason. <laughs> and um, Sam, who is Tom Hanks, is struggling to get over his wife that passed away. So Jonah, his son, goes on to a national radio station and asks... Um, the world basically to help his dad find someone to love meg ryan who does not know sam um tom hanks obviously uh hears about it on the on her way to visit family and <laughs> ends up um falling in love basically with his story and cannot get him out of her mind so she writes him a letter asking him to meet her on top of the Empire State Building, which is just so sweet and beautiful. And of course, we know where it ends up. They eventually meet each other on top of the Empire State Building and the live happily ever after the end. But yeah, this movie is one of my favorites. It Spoiler alert. I know, oh, but I had to explain it a Unbelievable. little bit. Unbelievable. Yeah, but did. I kind of feel- it When did that come out? 92? 93. 93. Okay. 93. So I think spoilers are out the window. It's a 27 year window. <laughs> I say it's 25, give or take a couple of years. Yeah. You know? yeah. <laughs> but I love this movie. It does have a little bit of a like holiday movie feel to me because it does take place during Christmas um, in parts of the movie. But also, it's just a beautiful romantic love story and gives you all the feels and makes you believe in the magic of love and it takes place in seattle as soon as i saw it i wanted to move to seattle and live in a houseboat and be with tom hanks but um yeah it's just such a beautiful story and funnily enough um when i went to seattle years ago i was walking my dog and this woman came up to me and was like oh i used to have a golden retriever like yours and she's like She's like, are you looking at the Sleepless in Seattle house? And I was like, yeah, I'm just trying to look at it. She's like, come on my dock. So I went on the dock with all the houseboats, sat down and actually ended up talking to this older man who owned a boat and lived on his boat. And he told me all about the movie and how his boat was in it with lights strung on it that sailed through a scene. And we were looking at the house and he was telling me how he had lunch with Tom Hanks and how great he was. And just, it was a dream come true for a girl that loves that movie. So yeah, just love Sleepless in, Sleepless in Seattle. And it's crazy that it's my number five. Like you would think it would be like my number two, mm -hmm. but of course there's some good stuff coming up. But yeah, Sleepless in Seattle, just love it. And keep in mind, everyone that go when you try to go visit it in person in Seattle, all these docks are completely locked because yeah. otherwise people would be on them at all times and people live on these places. So the fact that Alex got to go on there was unbelievable. We actually, this summer, were on a road trip and we passed through and she showed me and from we were afar. able to see it, but it was from afar because yeah. she got lucky that other time. Yeah. And the house itself has been sold a few times and the original people that actually owned it at the time of the movie 
um, they used to get, obviously, people in boats would drive by it and get so much attention. Now, I believe an entrepreneur owns it and probably try and keep people as far back as possible. But it's it's an iconic place, an iconic house, and just a beautiful love story, rom-com. Hey, I... Fully endorse. Yes, yeah, you fully you you fully sold it, and you didn't even have to sell us because when you think about the most classic rom coms ever, I think anyone would agree that circles in Seattle. That's that's there. And you have to tell I, us now about you've got mail. Yeah, why do you, why do you hate Wait, it? I know. Why do you hate I watched, it? I think I must have watched You've Got Mail the first time in like high school, and then I watched it again on Wednesday. With with my wife, with my wife, and she hates it too now. So I can't good. believe this. Uh, all right, so here's the thing. So it is, I mean, the premise of the movie is set up to create Sleepless in Seattle too. I mean, it's literally the same mains. They're like, all right, how can we create another like sort of dramatic meeting where they like don't know each other? Same plot. Then the first half is still fine. You're like, all right, we're setting this up. This is kind of cute. They hate each other. They have the rival bookstores. Um, brief side note, have you guys seen uh, They Came Together? The, I actually uh, haven't. I've wanted to. Is that Amy Poehler and Paul Rudd, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And in that movie, they have like rival candy stores. Like it, it's, it just makes me giggle <laughs> watching it now. Um, so anyway. Doesn't Paul Rudd own a candy store in real life? He does in Greenback, New York. Wow, look at this. That's just facts on facts. Yeah, we're just fun facting it all over the place. So the, the the whole setup is fine. And then basically from the moment her store has to close, things are just rogue. And I don't understand what the fuck is going on at all. Like he literally sees her, right? And then he doesn't go into the cafe. Like, he, well, he does go in and then he just is a dick. He like is in love with this woman and he's just a dick and doesn't uh-huh. say that it's him. Then he befriends her in real life, still doesn't say anything. Then he starts playing himself he's like playing off of himself like oh you should say this to the guy and he'll say this oh why didn't he say this and you're like what the fuck are you doing you guys could have been making out 45 minutes ago like why are you acting like you don't know what's happening and then worst of all at the end she's not only not even mad that he was like straight up catfishing her for the last 45 minutes but she's like Oh, I was hoping it was you. Well, you could have kissed him in real life four hours ago when you got lunch together. What are you talking about? This is bullshit. No sense. That's why it doesn't fit in today's like day and age. I guess, but I don't know, Mike. I'm I disagree with you. I think because again, this is one of the more fresh in my mind because I hadn't seen it, and it was one of the only like classic ones that I hadn't seen. And dude. Some of the stuff you're saying where, and and look, I think everyone watching it, why doesn't he just tell her? But that's, I mean, that's part of so many films. Like I felt like he didn't tell her because he knew she, she had an aversion to him and she, he knew that she didn't like him much. He, he liked what was going on, but I think also was probably in his head confused. Like what the hell is going on? I feel like there was so much going on in his head about it that he was like, I better just not say anything and try to figure out what to do. And I think stupidly was a dumb decision, but he didn't tell her because 
I mean, there's a multiple that, that didn't that didn't trip me up. Like, I felt like he could have either thought, well, maybe if I keep this up and then we do meet eventually, she'll see that, like, I'm I'm this person and not the asshole that she thinks I am. Or he was just scared of rejection immediately because of that same reason. I, I felt like it wasn't the most ridiculous thing to me ever. And the supporting cast is so great. I I'll, I freaked out when I saw it that Dave Chappelle is in it. I know. And Steve Zahn. Like, Steve Zahn's so great, too. But, yeah, I don't know. That's That's one that, funny enough, I had a really... I was so surprised by how much I liked when I when I finally watched it this year. To, to each his own, but I th- feel that from the consensus of internet research that I've done, everyone agrees with me that that's by far the weakest of these three movies that you were talking about here. Well, by far the weakest. Well, we're gonna have to leave it up to to the to the listeners. Tell us who's who's right here. Is Mike right? And is you've got mail absolute trash? That might be a slight it? overstatement. <laughs> Or is it pretty great? Let us know. Let us know. Um, uh, wow. That was a great So is that, is that back to me for number four? It's back to you. All right. Well, love that. Love that number five. Coming with a very strong number five debut. Love that. My number four is the 1998 classic, There's Something About Mary. Ah. Great movie. Yep. First of all, I would like to say that the – Audience score on Rotten Tomatoes for this movie is sixty one percent, which literally shocked me. Wait, 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 I don't the, the audience or the Rotten Tomatoes. The Tomato score is eighty three. Audience is sixty one. What? I've I've never met like what is this hot take that suddenly this movie is not incredible? I've anyway, never heard someone dislike no, it. I don't know who these people are. Who are you people? Whoa. Again, tell me who you are because I seriously. Like it's simultaneously on like so many different sites, like best comedies of all time list, mm-hmm. and straight up six out of ten by apparently a consensus of people. Well, so anyway. that that movie straight up like I on research for something else that we had done back in the day, I had seen this about something about Mary. That movie single handedly revived the R rated comedy. Yeah, we talked about this on our dirty dirty work. work. But, yep. Uh, um, yeah, which is. One of the most important things. I mean, the the log line for the movie is really, uh, I could say the thing that's like maybe the funniest about it overall, which is that it's a take on the rom-com where basically four different guys are all chasing the same girl who's played by Cameron Diaz, who's absolutely hilarious. Um, there's also Matt Dillon, Ben Stiller, Lee Evans, big shout out UK. Um, it's a Fairly Brothers movie. Uh, obviously, you know these guys from Dumb and Dumber and, and such. But I, I picked this one because, like I said in the beginning, I tried to pick ones that were like at least very good in the ROM and the GOM. Uh, and COM-wise, I mean, this movie is just absolutely hilarious. There's so many scenes you could point to. But two, I'm quite sure Justin, who's a fan of raunchy comedies, I mean, there's two scenes that are just in the raunchy comedy hall of fame with the hair gel and zipping up his dick in the zipper. Yeah. <laughs> it's just, and, and the, oh God, I love that because you're just like, Oh, they're not going to show that. They're not going to show it. And then they just do. And it's just, I hilarious. can actually picture it right now. Yes. Yes. 
like ingrained it's in my brain. So well, I'll never forget my parents like didn't want me to see it. Obviously, it was rated R and we were like nine or something at that point, eight or nine. But they saw it and thought it was hilarious. And like, you can't see it. And when it, the, when I finally saw it to come in the hair, I was like, oh, that's why. That's why. <laughs> and one of one of the Fairley brothers said that that is based on a real event that happened, not to one of them, but like that oh, they witnessed. Wow. That's in real amazing. life, which is amazing. That is legendary. Uh, but then, uh, yeah, I mean, there, it is also like just a super romantic movie in a sense. I mean, obviously it's heavy on the comedy, but I mean, the way, not only is there four guys pursuing the same woman, but like the way that they lay it out, like it starts with Ben Stiller is, you know, trying to look up an old crush. The private eye that he hires ends up falling for the crush. There's already a guy that's pursuing the crush who is like Lee Evans, who's hilarious because he's pretending to be British and he's not, but in reality, obviously he is. And it's, and then of course, like at the very end, there's just like his friend that was secretly like trying to chase her the entire time. And then the very, very end, there's actually a fifth guy in the picture who they've referenced the entire movie in one of my favorite cameos of all time, Brett Favre. (laughs) (laughs) Is that Yes, that's why, Justin. That's exactly why. Amazing. And I, I love that. Uh, I also found out that they, well, this is completely unsubstantiated internet rumor that we're going to say is 100% true, but that they tried to offer this role to Steve Young, quarterback and hero of my youth, but he wouldn't do it because he's too much of a Mormon and this movie was too raunchy for him, which I hope that's true. Wow. Um, but yeah, this is just, it's one of the funniest movies of all time. And they, they really... The creativity aspect of the romantic part, I think, is enough to, to bring it up to number four. Yeah. And the end scene when Build Me Up Buttercup, like, yep. that song was made from that movie. True. It's so good. Awesome. Incredible. Good. And we didn't even talk about, like, um, I forget her character's name, but Cameron Diaz's, like, roommate or friend or whatever with the dog. who. Pl- oh, my. The overly tanned Yep, yep, chick. yep. Oh, and then she she gets drugged, right? Because she eats the dog. Yeah, the, the, the dog oh, yes, is drugged. Yes, yes. Yes. <laughs> I thought oh, she God. does too, because she goes all crazy. And she's like vacuuming. She's oh, like, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> and doesn't she set her hair on fire or something? I, I don't know why I'm remembering. Or maybe the dog. I don't know. It's ridiculous. <laughs> this is, that's honestly, like, that's like the sign of like how great of a movie it is. It's like 22 years later, you're like, oh yeah, the dog was on drugs and she was on drugs. <laughs> like, it's just, like, it just sticks with you. It's so, so funny. Unreal. Unreal. And, and ugh, I just, I mean, as someone who loves raunchy comedies, that really just kicked off the next 15 years of raunchy comedy. It really did. We had American Pie, I think, a year later. And then from there, it was off to the races. And it's such a, such a good, like, TV watch, too. Comes on, like, every now and then. It's just like, I can't ever turn this one off. Yeah. Probably Cameron Diaz's most iconic role, I think. Yeah, Charlie's Angels, too. She was True. That. But that, yeah, yeah. But I think was... those, like, movies she is known for. Yeah, definitely. But she's also, like, I mean, not that they're, like, the greatest films ever, but, like, She's so good in like the sweetest thing, another rom com. Oh, the sweetest. She's thing. good in a uh, bad teacher. Like she's a funny like rom com. Bad teacher too. was like a like un- sort of under the radar, pretty funny, pretty yeah. funny movie. I like that. Movie. Yeah. 
Yeah, and she kind of she went off and married one of the good Charlotte guys, and she has a baby now. But she hasn't acted in years. No, right? she left the spotlight. Yeah, special wow. shout to her That's role in Vanilla Sky, which I love that film. Oh yeah, we've we've talked about our love for Vanilla Sky. Yeah, and special shout out to Good Charlotte. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. this is the anthem. Throw yeah. all your hands up. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> any other songs i kind of feel like that was it lifestyles of the rich and famous <laughs> oh there you go there you go boys don't like girls boys oh, girls, and boys. girls, girls and boys. like cars and money that's true <laughs> and that ends our singing career yeah i think we did it big shout out good charlotte you've got as much as we can possibly say about you <laughs> and now it's time for my number four so uh coming in at number four Mike, I think you're going to really like this one. It's You've Got Mail. <laughs> oh, my God. I cannot wait to hear you defend this. Please. Oh, so. Wow. Keep in mind, people, there's a couple movies I have loved for 20 years that I took off in lieu of putting this movie on. And... I saw it this year when everything got shut down. We all went into quarantine. Alex and I started watching quite a bit of, you know, quite a few movies like anyone else in this world. And we sort of made a list of films we each hadn't seen that we'd always always had wanted to see. This was towards the top of mine. And we watched it. I thought going into it for years, I'd been like, oh, like I like rom-coms, but it just looked it looked maybe like too much for me. I was like, I feel like it's going to be more a girly movie. And I, I could not have been more wrong in my opinion. It, so it came out in 1998 as we had talked about a little bit earlier, as Mike was telling us how much of trash this film was, it is the two leads are Tom Hanks and Meg Ryan, who of course also did sleepless in Seattle together and didn't they do another movie together as well? Um, oh, Joe, Joe versus the Volcano. Uh, I think that was them too. Um, but it's them two, Greg Kinnear, Parker Posey, Dave Chappelle, Steve Zahn. It is, the supporting cast is stacked. I, I couldn't believe it when I saw it because I didn't know any of that. I didn't know those people were in it. So it was written and directed by Nora Ephron and, and her... I believe sister Delia Efron helped write it with her. It's a remake of a 1940 film, The Shop Around the Corner, which, funny enough, is Meg Ryan's character, Kathleen's bookstore name in the film. Uh, So that's like an homage. So, yeah, this movie to me has all of the classic rom-com setups. It's two people, they don't necessarily like each other at first. And in this, they really don't like each other at first. And of course, by the end, spoiler alert, they get together. It's, I think the buildup in this is so epic because of the stuff that infuriated you, Mike, like in the sense of, okay. So, so the general premise is that Tom Hanks, Meg Ryan, they each go online and pretty much they get like, essentially think of like a pen pal, but it's, you know, you're writing to someone online and they start to become 
very interested in this person and they are writing back and forth all the time, all the while they each are in relationships, which is a little bit suspect, but they're both in these relationships that I don't think are very fulfilling to them. And they're intrigued by these, these emails that they're sending all the while Tom Hanks owns, he runs these, this really big book bookstore chain. And she is the owner of this small independent shop. But so it all, he's moving into a new spot in Manhattan, right near them. It's all coming to a head. But the whole time, they don't know that they are speaking to each other. Of course, at the end, that is finally revealed. And I just think the buildup of this, the whole film, the great supporting cast, like I love Chappelle in this. I love Steve Zahn in this. It has all the, it has all the like very classic rom-com pieces to it. And it hits all the notes for me. Also randomly has a lot of Wizard of Oz references, if you guys have noticed that. And I cannot stress enough how much I love the supporting characters. Like I never thought when I turned on You've Got Mail that Dave Chappelle was going to be one of the main supporting characters. And he's great in it. And, and I learned a funny thing about Dave Chappelle and this movie, which blew my mind, honestly, which is that the reason he was cast in this is because in 94, he was offered the role of Bubba in Forrest Gump. And he turned it down because he thought that the movie was going to flop the box office and didn't want to be associated. Although then, of course, when it became this massive success, one best picture at the Oscars, Chappelle had said how he like deeply regretted turning down the role and it sort of had haunted him. And Tom Hanks, I don't know if they had a prior relationship, but when he heard this, he was like, I'm, you know, I promise to work with you in a future film. And because of that, because of that right there, when Nora Ephron was casting, Tom Hanks went to her and said, I really think Dave Chappelle would be great for this role. You should cast him. She asked Chappelle and Chappelle accepted. And that's why he's in it. And that's awesome. yeah, really cool little story. But Rick is also really good in it. He's great in it. And, and again, I know Steve Zahn is a, is a bit part in this, but I just love the guy. He's, you know, he was in all those movies at the time, like Saving Silverman and whatnot. And he's just, he's great. I just. I feel like you're turning Mike a little bit. No, no, not at all. Um, Parker <laughs> okay. great in that movie. Greg Sheeran's good. Parker Posey's not so good. Also, anyway. Mike, Mike, one thing before you re- respond to me. Yeah. What's very funny about you saying the whole thing about Sleepless in Seattle, that it's like pretty much set up as like a sequel or whatever, is that in the closing scene, Over the Rainbow plays, which also plays in a scene in Sleepless in Seattle. Thank you for making my point. <laughs> no, I, I oh God. All right. So I, I will, let me say one thing first, which is I thought it was funny watching this movie about how like, you know, there's the big store, which is like Barnes and Noble or whatever, effectively Barnes and Noble pushing out like the local independent store. Mm-hmm. And I, it's funny watching this that only 20 years later, like that store also doesn't exist. Like it's also been pushed out by something else. And like, only people of a very like particular part in history 
will remember like huge bookstores with coffee shops in them. Like it's true. already come full circle, which is weird. It's so but sad. It is kind of sad. And I guess the only, I, I will try to find the tiniest bit of common ground, at least admit today, Justin, that mm-hmm. in 2020, if this happened to you or anybody, man or woman, at the end, when she sees it's him, her immediate reaction is going to be, what the fuck have you been doing? This is some serious catfish shit and it's fucked up and she's going to feel weird about it. Absolutely. Without I just think Nora Ephron didn't like have the foresight to see what catfishing would be like and just assumed everyone would be happy about this internet stuff. But like, exactly. it doesn't, that part just doesn't play well in 2020. I Obviously, it's not her fault for writing this thing well before the internet took off, but like, it doesn't play well. It doesn't, but back then we felt a lot safer. Agreed. Yes. So I think if we take, like, yeah, it doesn't fit now, but it wasn't made now. It was made then. So you've got to love it for what life was then. Yes. And like, we have to remember this was even pre 9-11. So it's like people just, and it's, it's sad actually, when you think about it, 98. So this was only 22 years ago, yet the world is so different today, even 10 years ago, that it would be seen as super creepy. And it's like back then when the world was a lot more innocent and and we, you couldn't research people the way no. we can today and so back then i think yes i still think she probably first would have been like what the fuck but there is a back then it was well within the realm of possibility that it played out how it played out i think i like to believe that she knew in her head what had happened like in him not revealing it and whatnot. I feel like she put all the pieces together in that moment and just, yeah. they, they talked about it, but that was off screen later, like later that day, even five minutes later. But like, I don't know. I bought it. And I, and I think, look, no, it is for a certain generation. And I think anyone born after a certain year isn't going to get it. But there's so many movies we could say that about. No, no, that's fair. That's that's not a totally fair criticism. I agree with you. So yeah, I love it. And and you going you going off against it right before I knew that I was going to say it. I was just sitting here straight faced. I didn't tell Alex at all. I was just waiting. I was like, I was like, he's going to lose it. So excited. I know. I was just like bubbling at the seams, like waiting for it. To, I was like, get to my turn. Get to my turn. Oh. Awesome. So I guess it's my turn. Yeah. So my number four um, is from 1988, and it's Working Girl. Ah. Okay. Have you seen Working Girl, Mike? Yes. Good. She loves this movie. It's it's a great movie. Uh, My mom showed it to me, and I could watch it over and over again. But it's directed by Mike Nichols, written by Kevin Wade. And the cast is pretty full. It's Melanie Griffith. Harrison Ford, Sigoni Weaver, Alec Baldwin, Joan Cusack, um, Kevin Spacey, Massive and Oliver cast. Platt. Yeah, so a lot of people in this movie, but it's basically um, Tess McGill, played by Melanie Griffith, works as a, a secretary and wants to, you know, take strides to be more in the world, in the workforce. And um, she's dating Alec Baldwin at the time. 
and she comes home to find him cheating on her in her bed. So that's a driving force to make change. And she goes out and becomes a secretary for Sigoni Weaver, who um, just, you know, is a bitch. And (laughs) she goes off skiing, breaks her leg, has to stay in wherever she is. And uh, Melanie Griffith takes this opportunity to kind of step into her role without her knowing and makes friends with Harrison Ford, who uh, is actually kind of seeing Catherine Parker, who is Sigoni Weaver. And she kind of nuzzles her way in and they start working on a deal together. Um, Obviously, Harrison Ford creates feelings for her. She creates feelings for him. And it comes to a point where uh, Sigoni Weaver's character comes back and she kind of blows up in um, Tess's face and is like, what are you doing? And she takes over Tess's ideas and tries to run with them. And then Harrison Ford sees through her. And at the end of the movie, it's just so beautiful and sweet because they're together and Tess goes to this new office where she's given an opportunity and she goes and puts her stuff in the cubicle and then walks into this big office and this girl's sitting there with her legs up on the phone and she goes, oh, hi. And the girl quickly gets up and goes, oh, I'm so sorry, so sorry. And she's like, it's fine. And she walks out and is like, oh, do you want me to put your stuff in the office? And Tess is like, what? And she ends up getting this huge office overlooking New York. And, you know, she made it. And she did it on her own two feet. And I just, it's its a powerful female movie. It shows that as a woman, you can strive to be bigger and better than just that working secretary, especially back in those years. The 80s. I yeah. Mean. You know, women were secretaries. They weren't more than that um, unless they worked extremely hard. And then just, you know, the romance between um, Harrison Ford and Melanie Griffith is just, it's beautiful. And I love that movie. And it's all 80s, teased hair, um, you know, crazy makeup. And uh, shout out to Joan Cusack, who plays an amazing character. She plays Sin, Tess's best friend. And she's just wild and crazy and hilarious and just got to love her. She always plays those great parts. That's that's a memorable one for her. Yeah. And a little fun fact, Melanie Griffith was actually nominated for Best Actress for this role at the Oscars. Yeah. Oh my God. I had no clue. So, wow. It's pretty amazing. It's and a great movie. Six, six movies in, we've got two shout outs to Joan Cusack. I know. So. Oh my God. <laughs> and I think she's in a few more of my others. To be oh, honest. Unlikely heroine of the list. I love it. Also, I just realized this just dawned on me while we were doing this, but if we didn't say this before, so, so Alex and I live together and I want everyone here to know we have been, shielding these lists from each other all week (laughs) it's been we've been sitting in separate rooms making these things one of us comes over i don't don't get too close to my list don't get too close to my list even right before we just started she thought i was like trying to sneak a peek she was like hey stop looking trust me he was peeking (laughs) his eyes kind of wander over to the screen (laughs) oh but anywho i mean that's a that's a very respectable number four i got nothing bad to say about it so that's me, number three, right? It's it's we're yeah we're getting okay. There. We're at about almost a halfway point. Let's go. My number three is 
a disappointingly not hot take. Annie Hall. 1977. For anyone that cares, it's a 98% on Rotten Tomatoes. It won Best Picture. It won Best Director. Uh, Diane Keaton won Best Actress in a Leading Role. Uh, it, uh, yeah, so it's basically Woody Allen and Diane Keaton, though there are some like sneaky, like hilarious roles, like Paul Simon's in it, Christopher Walken's in it. Jeff Goldblum is in it for exactly one line. Yep. Truman Capote walks by in it. Like it's, it's, there's so many like little like Easter eggs that are hilarious. But I also should probably preface it by saying I'm in the Woody Allen is a creep uh, club. <laughs> so I don't feel great about this. But Controversial. This, this, this wasn't in my top five like when I started out the week. But like having rewatched it, it's just so fucking good. Like – Everything about it is so funny and witty. It's just like well written. Oh, I disagree so much. I agree with you. The, uh, I mean, I love the kind of, I don't, I don't want to say this like created it, but it sprung so many different versions of kind of like the neurotic, like Jewish New Yorker guy. I mean, I, I love that kind of all, basically all of those like themes that come up in different shows and movies. Um, though this is probably like the best version. And I love all the, breaking the fourth wall stuff like with Marshall McLuhan where he like pulls him out, like pulls the guy out in line mm-hmm. and like where he's talking to the camera where he stops people on the street to like talk about things. I love all those like little like details. It's just, it's such a well-made movie beyond what you think about it as a comedy or a rom-com. It's, it's one of the kind of, I mean, it won best picture for a reason. It really stands alone to me as a truly a great film. And Justin hates it, so go. Yeah, so I guess I have the hot take. I do. I think Annie Hall is so overrated. I, I, I respect Woody Allen's writing. I think that he does a great job with the writing. And I, I'll say there's pieces of the film that I enjoy. I do like seeing some of these cameos. I love the Jeff Goldblum cameo. Um, I do like the ending of the film. And... Mike, who was the other person you said was in it briefly? There was a Paul Simon's in it. No, not Paul Simon. Who else did you say? Uh, Truman Capote's in it briefly. No, there's someone else. Maybe he's a big character. I got to look it up right now. You said it. Christopher Walken? Yeah, Christopher Walken. Christopher Walken. Um, So it's like, yeah, I love that those guys are in it. But for me, the whole neurotic Jew thing in this at least, and I know he's the one that pretty much invented this the character, but it just doesn't do it for me. And and I wanted to like this movie so much. Like I've I I mean it's a classic. It just for whatever reason didn't connect with me. I I the way the plot moved along was it it just didn't I don't know, it didn't click with me at all. I didn't I respected his writing style, but it wasn't something that was enjoyable for me to watch personally. Yeah, you're definitely wrong. But I will say (laughs) that uh, it is funny because like on some level, like Woody himself would agree with you. Uh Like this movie is one that he's not necessarily proud of. I mean, it started as something completely different. It went through a million different rewrites, reshoots, so much stuff was edited out of it. Like it, it did not end as the movie that it started in any capacity. 
which is to say that it still was the best picture. So like, I don't know what to say to you. Yeah. I mean, look, and, and I don't hate Woody. I mean, I'm not totally about his style, but I like other Woody movies. So this one just didn't click for me for whatever reason. Alex, I know, has a different take on it. Yeah, I guess from a female perspective, it it was a very beautifully done story in the sense that you are you have this relationship with someone that you know isn't working and you just see kind of like the issues between them go back and forth and he's like crazy and I don't know, she's off like doing her own thing and and it just um yeah, it just I love I love the story in it and I think it just was so beautifully done and I remember the scene when she's in her beetle driving neurotically and he's just like holding on for dear life and I just love that scene I think it's so great and the music I really enjoyed the music in it it really kind of tugged at my heartstrings and at the end when she goes and pursues her dreams and when they're sitting down the street from us at a was it Mel's diner I think it's Mel's yeah or near Mel's yeah on Sunset Boulevard and it's one of those moments where he's like, you know, he he still wants to be with her out of familiarity, but she's like, this is for the best. This is like where we're supposed to be. And I, I don't know, it just really resonates in true life. I think a lot of relationships end up that way. And so it really, I, I saw it as like something you can relate to and it was just done so well. So that's my take I, on it. I will add also, I appreciate the rom-com where they don't end up together. There's yes. probably not enough of those, so kudos to True. this one. True. Look, I respect it. It just didn't click for me personally. Anywho, my number three is goes in a completely different direction. Definitely not an age-old classic by any means, but I really hope that it becomes one. This is a film that came out in 2013 – and I really didn't even think about it when I when it first came out. It was it was on TV one day. I watched it. I was like, holy shit, that was good. And randomly, I don't know how this is even the case, but I have seen this movie so many times now. It's just one of those movies, if it's on or if I see it, I just watch it. And I love it. And and this is the 2013 film about time. And it's written and directed by Richard Curtis, who also did Love Actually and some other, you know, rom-commy type films. It's got Dom Hall Gleason, Rachel McAdams, Bill Nye. Uh, is that how you say it? Is that how you say his name? Um, that's what I'm going with. And, and Margot Robbie, actually, in one of her earlier roles. But it's like, it's a romantic comedy that also pulls in sci-fi. So it's also a sci-fi film in a way where the the general plot is that there's this guy, Tim, played by Don Hall Gleason, and he discovers through his dad telling him that he can travel into the past and change what happens in the past to get him better outcomes in his current life. And he wants, he wants to get a girlfriend is what the whole plot of the movie is about without giving too much away. He, in case, cause I feel like this is maybe one of the films that maybe you haven't seen. Um, he meets Rachel McAdams and he continually 
goes back in time to try to make it perfect so that they end up dating and having a great relationship and a life together because he falls in love with her. And it's, it's very funny at times. It's, I'd say leans slightly more into the romance than the comedy, but it is, it is comedic. And I'm a big sci-fi guy. So the fact that there is this little time travel element and that the way that it's handled in the film is very like matter of fact, like it's no big deal. Like this is just what happens. And like, there's not like any crazy effects or anything. It's just, it feels like a real life movie where this is just a normal thing that this one few, these few people are able to do by literally like going into a closet and like clenching their fists. And it's just such a sweet movie. It always, it always, if I'm looking for a good little emotional film Maybe I'm looking to shed a tear, you know, have a nice little cry. Maybe I'm looking to feel, you know, if back in the past, maybe if there'd been a breakup or something, this movie can at the same time cheer me up and get me a little sad. It's it's really well done. I truly, truly was like blown away when I saw this because seeing the preview, I didn't think it was going to be much. And it's over time become... I'd say one of my more watched movies of the last 10 years, one that I really like and really stands out to me as something different than the rest. And um, it's really great. It's just, it t- again, tugs at the heartstrings, makes you laugh, throws in some sci-fi. I can't say enough good things about this. And uh yeah, do you guys have any anything to say to me before I say anything else about it? Have you guys seen this movie? Alex, go first. I have seen this movie. It's a very sweet, sweet movie. I love Rachel McAdams, so anything she's in, I think, is yeah, awesome. But yeah, it's one of those emotional, romantic. I don't. For me, I don't know if it's a comedy really. It's it's of all the movies on the list so far it's the least comedy of any of them but it is considered i looked across the board it is considered a rom-com really yeah i mean it's some of the a lot of this like sort of hijinks with the time travel and whatnot like there's laughs but it definitely is it leans heavy into the romance yeah it's definitely i feel like it's more of an emotional romantic movie Mm -hmm. than a, a funny romantic movie but it's yeah it's a great movie nothing so to say I, I agree that it's not that funny. And uh, I don't know if you know this, Alex, but like I hate like sci-fi and fantasy movies. Like I just don't watch them at all. I hate them, which is all leading me to say I love this movie. Wow. <laughs> yes. yes. Justin, I actually love this movie. Yes. <laughs> I, like probably more than most people. Uh, I watched it again this yes. week. I fucking love this movie, but mostly just to have a good cry. But it's yes, it really gives uh, a good cry. I think it's I think it's the way that I've described it before. It's like a more sincere version of Groundhog Day. Yes, and it's I mean like if I want like more of a laugh, I would watch Groundhog Day. But this is just like a serious, I guess like serious, but you know what I mean, like more of a romantic version. I also love Rachel McAdams. This is a great movie. Hey, all three of us love Rachel McAdams. I mean, how can you not? It's just. Also, can I say something so interesting about Rachel McAdams? I did not really. She's like the time travel chick. 
She is in four movies where she stars as the love interest of a time traveler. About Time, The Time Traveler's Wife. She is in Midnight in Paris. And she is also, this is a little bit more of a stretch, but still time travel. She's in Doctor Strange. As as Doctor Strange's love interest, and he fucking travels through time. How weird is Maybe that? Maybe she's a big believer in time travel. She Could might be. be. I want to look into this. Brief brief aside, do you like Time Traveler's Wife and Midnight in Paris? I've never seen Time Traveler's Wife. I really like Midnight in Paris. Okay. How about you? I I like both of them. I actually I don't know. I had the weird impression like that everybody didn't like Midnight in Paris, but then it's like universally beloved. So I was just wrong there. Yeah, I think I, everyone I, likes Midnight in Paris. I don't know where I got that from. Um, but dude, I oh my god, I love how much you love this movie. I I'll admit that I did. I thought, of course, about the fact that it doesn't lean into the comedy that much, but. I was looking, of course, as I'm sure all three of us did, I was looking on all these top romantic comedies, all time lists. I was obviously looking at each individual movie and how they're classified on Wikipedia, IMDb, all these things. And in every case, this was on all these lists, all these whatevers. And I felt like it was fair to include it. And it's a movie that maybe a few people haven't seen. And I want to encourage people to see something. And and this really is a film that I love. And... I'm putting it on regardless. And uh, interesting, Zoe Deschanel was initially going to be the Rachel McAdams character. So happy it ended up being Rachel McAdams. Yeah, Zoe's just, I feel like, more of a like fun and witty character. Mm-hmm. Rachel McAdams, perfect for yeah. the role in this film. And uh, random fact, it was, a, it was a massive hit in South Korea randomly. Hmm massive movie i guess like more than three million people watched the movie i think when it came out wow and so it was like a surprise hit in south korea (laughs) (laughs) but they must like time travel yeah also three of the harry potter series co-stars are in this richard griffiths bill nye and dom hall gleason you got some harry potter up in here Shout out to Harry Potter. Yeah. Unshout out to Harry Potter. Yeah, the books, the books, the books. (laughs) The books are incredible. The movies suck. I gave you time travel, but that's too much fantasy for me. Uh I stopped at time travel. That's why you love this movie, because it doesn't feel sci-fi. It's super... Time travel is okay. I don't know why. It doesn't bother me. Maybe I believe in it, too. Some uh, timeline with Paul Walker? What? (laughs) Oh, my God. (laughs) that's that's a bridge too far yes okay we've we've gone too far anyway now now the now the number three you all really want to hear exactly so (laughs) let me just say this three two and one were very hard for me number three could be a number one for me it it was so so tough so tough and when i say it out loud i'm a little bit disappointed in myself because it's it's one of my favorite movies. But for number three, Father of the Bride. Oh, uh, okay. Yeah. Done in 1991. Um, directed by Charles Shire. Written by Nancy Myers, who actually they were married at one point. So I think married at the time when this movie came out. But the cast is just amazing. Steve Martin, Diane Keaton, 
Kimberly Williams Paisley, Kieran Culkin, Martin Short, B.D. Wong, the list goes on. But yeah, Father of the Bride is an iconic movie to everyone, I feel. And for me, I saw it at such a young age and continued to watch it over and over again and watched Father of the Bride 2, which came out in 1995. Um, but yeah, Father of the Bride 1, obviously Steve Martin is a dad that cannot get low let go of his daughter who's getting married uh she comes home and is so excited she's engaged and george who plays um who steve martin plays is just unhappy no one will ever be good enough for annie (laughs) uh and he wants to be number one of course but a lot of wit humor and catastrophic moments are in this movie george is just ridiculous and um Martin Short, who plays Frank, is one of my favorite characters. If anyone knows the scene when he's trying to explain to George that they're going to look at the keck, and George just has no clue what he's talking about. And he's like, we'll take a look at the keck. He's like, the keck first. And George is just like, the what? And Annie's like, the cake, dad. And it's just... Frank makes the movie. He's so ridiculous and funny, and his partner in it is B.D. Wong, who, yeah, they're just a great duo. Um, And it ends beautifully. The wedding happens, but George, unfortunately, never really experiences the wedding. He's going through all these different situations with the cops showing up to move the cars and kind of went down a rabbit hole of, of these funny things of, like, movie, like, blunders of well the cop shows up with the cop car and is like you know you can't get anyone in here there's so the cars are blocking all the streets but somehow the cop car gone in there so it's just like look going down a rabbit hole of looking at all that stuff but it's such a great movie and at the end annie calls her dad and thanks him for everything he's done and it's just it's a beautiful like father-daughter movie and also so much love between the family and then going on to Father of the Bride 2, which Annie has more new. She's pregnant, and Frank comes back, and Nina, her mom, ends up pregnant too, and George is going to be a dad again. And it's just two of the greatest movies. And Frank again does another scene when he's in the car, and he's like, I don't want to get killed by a drive-by shooting. Let's go. <laughs> and he's just crazy. He's ridiculous and crazy, and I just love those movies. But... This year, a week ago, Nancy Myers decided to surprise us all with Father of the Bride Part 3-ish, which literally brought me to tears. I watched it. It was 30 minutes. They did this Zoom call, the whole family, and Maddie, who is played by Kieran Kieran Culkin. Who's now in succession. Yeah, who is amazing. He is getting married, and he gets married on Zoom. Robert De Niro is in it. He makes a nice little uh, stop to the show. And I don't know. It was just, it's such an iconic movie and so much emotion with it that seeing them come together again as the Banks family, it was just, it was amazing and beautiful. She literally called me right after. Yeah. I was like, you would have no idea what I just experienced. (laughs) It was beautiful. But yeah, it's. Those movies are great. And I do have some fun facts, but any thoughts on Father of the Bride? Well, I'll say one. I didn't know. You You can't pick a whole 
three films right now. Well, no, they all go together. <laughs> I know. I'm messing with her. I'm messing with it. But I will say this on a serious note. For me, similar in a sense to how you guys did know that About Time is a little bit romance heavy and very light on the comedy. For me, Father of the Bride, I look at it as just a comedy. I never thought of it as a rom-com. It is a rom-com. I, I kind of tend to agree with Justin on this, to be honest. Well, because like, this is the thing. Who, like, what is the rom? Like, I feel like the movie is about Steve Martin going through all these hijinks about his daughter's wedding, but there isn't really a romance that's budding. But there's a romance. It. You see Annie mm-hmm. and Brian, their romance being created throughout because they do they go through a point when the wedding's called off because she's very emotional about the blender he got her it can definitely be argued i'm not saying but but i'm i lean on the side that it's just a comedy so i want to agree with you but at the same time nancy myers and diane keaton did a bunch of movies together right Mm -hmm. baby boom something's gotta give this one and uh father by two right and the other ones are definitely rom-coms definitely. so i feel like that that nudges it like maybe this was supposed to be a rom-com in retrospect i agree with you yep. justin but i i think maybe this is more rom than we're giving it credit for true it definitely has let, let's say this there's definitely romance in the air in the film i just when i think of a rom-com I think of typically the two main characters trying to get together. And this, it's not the main, Steve Martin's the main character in this. Whereas it's big characters that are getting together, but it's not, it's not like the two main characters. You know what I mean? I'm going to argue this though, because just to let you know, Baby Boom was on my honorable mention. Oh, sorry. Oh, it's fine. But Baby Boom is about, I believe, the relationship between her and Elizabeth, who's the baby. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there are some relationships. So you could argue, is that a, a rom-com too? It is. Mm-hmm. But her relationships aren't the main focus. It's her and Elizabeth's relationship. Okay. So, I... Hey. It's I'm, a rom-com. I'm on... Oh, but, you know. Shit. I'm on board. Mm-hmm. I just, I needed to make my thoughts known. Um, so that the people can tell us what they think either way i will say this about father of the bride absolutely great great movie and if i was told to guess alex's top five movies of all time i would definitely put father of the bride in there i'm pretty sure it is yeah i do have a few little fun facts please tell us so funnily enough there was an original father of the bride made made in 1950 which now i have to watch because course yeah and funnily enough the bride in that movie receives the same gift that annie receives in the 1991 version so that's pretty cool um eugene levy actually makes a pit stop in both one and two as different characters shout out eugene levy love schitt's creek also known as schwartz creek (laughs) schwartz creek schitt's creek 
best <laughs> fucking TV show ever. She loves it. Also, shout out to Eugene Levy just because he's Jim's dad in America. Just in, in general. Fact. Yeah, yeah. We, and we said about American Pie a little bit earlier. Yeah, we did. Awesome. Oh. And lastly, also Diane Keaton. Oh. Second shout out. Sorry. Yes. This is just leading Diane- the shout out game. Joan Cusack and Diane Keaton. Oh I know the two leading ladies <laughs> in this podcast. Um, but my last fun fact was George Banks, played by Steve Martin, actually says. You know, um, about the wedding, he's like, I don't want to end up in a bathrobe wandering the streets, which obviously played a little shout out to the jerk. That in is his hilarious. Own movie. So yes. I thought that was pretty cool. That is clever. Yeah. yeah. Love that. Oh, I love that one. I love that one. But that's my number three. There we go. Perfect rom com. <laughs> <laughs> like- uh, it's a good segue to mine because my number two. I kind of didn't realize it was a rom-com for a long time, if that makes sense. But my, my most recent film, 2008, Forgetting Sarah Marshall. Oh, I, wow. This movie admittedly is more comedy than it is rom-com, but that's only because it's so fucking funny that you can kind of lose sight of that. It is like a romantic movie, and all of the comedy is really centered around kind of the relationships that he has from start to finish in the movie. So I think it counts. Well, maybe let's let's start there. Does it count? Okay. 100%. No question. Okay. Uh, All I can really say to start is that like, okay, for for anyone that doesn't know, which I assume everybody does, this is, it's written and starring Jason Segel with Kristen Bell, Mila Kunis, Russell Brand, and then a ton of like smaller, funnier roles by, Paul Rudd, Jack McBriar, Jonah Hill, everybody. And everybody's amazing in it. Uh, and it's one of my favorite comedies of all time because it's funny from like literally the first moment to the very end. And there's so many big laughs, but also so many like tiny, like small laughs, so many things that you can quote like for years to come, which I still do. We still do. Uh, which... Okay, so I will say also that this is probably one of my favorite like theater experiences of all time. I think this came out well when we were sophomores, Justin. I definitely saw it a few times. It came out when it actually came out when we were freshmen. It came out Did, I, if I'm I believe April two thousand and eight. I could be right. Um, okay. Well, anyway. Yes, but I remember seeing it in theaters as well. Uh, the, of the movies we saw like in the earlier days of college, more than once in theaters. This it's Crank awesome. 2 and Forgetting <laughs> Sam Marshall. Yes, yes, and honestly, one of the funniest, like what like literally like killed me to the point of not being able to breathe seeing a movie in theaters, kind of like, not like an unsung moment in the movie, but like maybe not a top tier, like what people bring up at first either, is when they're in the bar and she sets him up to do the Dracula musical, like at the bar. Uh-huh. And, you know, he's up there and he's like, oh, I really don't think I should. And she's like, Dracula musical! <laughs> and then, like, it's, I mean, the whole thing is great, but the moment, like, the very first line that he sings and the moment you realize that he's going to do the whole thing in a Dracula voice, I literally could not breathe. I was, I lost it. Like, just one of the funniest things I've ever laughed at in my entire life. It's absolutely genius. I mean, the whole concept of the Dracula musical yeah. Is just I mean, it's good. It's good is the is the most unbelievable I know. part. And it's just 
dude, I'll never forget when that movie came out because Apatow and those that whole crew of actors had been on such a heater. And it, it felt like the train had to slow down at some point. And they somehow just went even bigger. And it was like, like, and I know a lot of people thought that probably would say the peak was maybe like super bad, just because that was another one that was so fucking funny. But for me, if I really look at all of the Apatow related films, I think for me, Sarah Marshall may sit atop the mountain. It's, it is so fucking good in every way. And it's just, I mean, dude, it's like you said, nonstop laughs start to finish, but also just an amazing romance story in there. And what guy at, in 2008 did not fall in love with Mila Kunis from this movie? Fair, fair. I mean, like, and the romance thing is like, you know, his, you know, courting with Mila Kunis is great. And like, they have like a typical sort of rom-com trajectory, which is amazing. But then also his relationship with Kristen Bell feels like, a very real thing uh, throughout relatable. the film that like you can totally relate to. And it's, yeah, it, it's, it's so funny that it almost takes away from the fact that like it's a total rom-com and the romance part is not, not entirely secondary. Mm-hmm. Also like that setting in Hawaii <laughs> doesn't suck. The dream setting. It's just and a smart idea to write a movie in Hawaii. That's just smart. Absolutely <laughs> smart. And dude, Actually, just like a, I was just thinking about that scene where the four of them, so Sarah Marshall, so Sarah Marshall, Mila Kunis, and Siegel, and then uh, Elvis Snow, Russell Brand are all sitting at dinner, and the whole thing with the, the, with the wine on the shirt. Oh, not the shit. <laughs> oh my god! I mean, talk, talk about making careers, like. Russell Brand in this movie he was is no just one before this incredible. Movie. And even like his like audition tapes are things that people like seek out on YouTube because he's just so naturally funny and just absolutely smashes in this movie. But then again, like Jack McBriar is hilarious. Jonah Hill, this is like one of like my favorite roles of his ever. Where it's just Paul like, Rudd. all right, I'll just go fuck myself. Like at Paul Rudd, I mean, do less. Like I stopped wearing a watch. Like the weather outside is weather. You sound like you're from London. These are things I say like on a daily basis. Like he's incredible. Peepiopi. I mean, ah, <laughs> uh, everybody just makes so much of their roles in this movie. Also, it's so the, so funny. The fake uh, TV ads, like Animal Instincts, with Jason Bateman during. Isn't that the end credits? Yeah, yeah. And Stephen Baldwin is in one, right? Yes, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Oh my god, dude. Oh, such a good pick. At, well, we haven't even heard from our lady here. What does our lady well, think of Forgetting Sarah Marshall? It's a good movie. I'm I'm not as obsessed with it as you two are. Um, it's a good movie. It's I slightly know. more guy-leaning. Yeah, and I just have a weird humor in general. You, she, she does. She's well. I wouldn't even say it's weird. You're just you're not as into bit, the raunchy humor yeah, as like yeah, definitely. Yeah. And it, it it takes something really funny to make me laugh. So you know, I wanted to take offense when you said I was obsessed with it, and then I was like, wait, no, I am obsessed with it. Like you that's are. just true. <laughs> if you quote it on a weekly basis, daily basis, uh, you I was are gonna obsessed. say weekly. I mean, oh, yeah, it's it's insane. 
I I am definitely obsessed. I'd I'd go as far as to say that there's a chance. I'd have to really think this out, but there you guys can quote me on this. There is a chance it's in my top ten movies all time. I, I think it, it could be. Yeah. I didn't even mention a Lou Ow Lou, which is something I say all the time. <laughs> Anytime I see a banana, I say, no, no, it's right, buddy. Like, it's just, it's, it, I just can't stop. It's so fucking funny. Wait, also, what's the fucking I, – I remember learning this years ago that – remember when what when uh, the one guy, he says the name of the state fish and it's like so long and that's like oh, the yeah, actual state McDonald's. fish. Yeah, it really actually yeah. is. Oh, God. Oh, I wish I could remember the name. Um, oh, what a great fucking pick, man. That's just – and all the, char- all the characters in it. I love each actor mm-hmm. in it. So Russell Brand, too, is British. And for all those <laughs> actors, every single one, even the even the small roles, like you said, Mike, like Paul Rudd and Jack McBrayer and Jonah Hill, every single character's role is one of their most memorable roles. Even it's Kristen different. Bell, who has Veronica Mars, that this is still, I'd say, probably besides that, her most known role. Like, it's or Frozen. True, but I guess <laughs> no. I mean, I like it goes. Uh, but you get the gist. Anyways, my point being, what a great fucking pick. I'm fully on board with that pick, and um, I'll just move us along here and say. My number two, which I toiled between number two and number one for me. And and this this could be number one in the sense of it's it's not. I'm choosing it as two. But it is that fucking good that it could be number one on my list. It could be number one on anyone's list. And in my mind, it is the quintessential rom-com. When I think rom-com, this is the movie that comes to mind. The only reason one movie's above it is because there's one movie I like more than it in, in the world of rom-coms. But my number two is When Harry Met Sally. And I just... Fuck. I think this is... Like I said, I think there. this is the rom-com to rule the rom-coms. It's everything that a rom-com should be. It's very smart. It's equal parts romance and comedy. It's a tale that I feel like so many people over the course of life can relate to at one point or another. And it just has lots of life. I feel like it has lots of life truths in it. Whereas you guys, you mentioned that with Annie Hall. And I think in that sense, this movie's similar where there's just many nuggets of truth in this film came out in 1989. If you're unfamiliar, it's Billy Crystal and Meg Ryan in the two lead roles, Harry and Sally. You've got Carrie Fisher, Bruno Kirby, Stephen Ford. It was directed by uh, Rob Reiner, written by Nora Ephron. And um, I mean, it's, it's about Harry and Sally who are both... Uh, they're both moving to New York after college. They, I believe if they, I didn't watch it just now this week for this rewatch. So correct me guys if I'm wrong, but right after college, they end up sharing a ride to their new, you know, their new home. 
because uh, Harry is dating one of Sally's friends. And so he agrees to give her a ride. It's their first time meeting. Um, when they get to New York, they like, I believe, go out for a meal or something. And he, she thinks that he like tried to make a pass at her. They, they so, go out on the way, like they stop on the way. And get oh, yeah, yeah. And so anyways, they part ways when they get there to not see each other again for, I believe, five years. And pretty much the whole the whole point of the movie is they keep running into each other after these spans of anywhere from, you know, maybe a, a couple years to five or six years where they had, okay, we're not friends, we're not friends, then they become friends. And over the course of this film, they become these really good friends. And, and the, the, the opening premise is essentially this conversation in which one of them says that they don't believe you can be friends with a person of the opposite sex and the other disagrees with that. And they end up becoming great friends, best friends. And they end up in the end, they end up sleeping together. Then it's like that ruins everything. In the very end, they end up getting together. And it's 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 like the most epic rom-com ever, I think. But it just... I really believe most rom-com lists, it's not a hot take at all, will have this at the top in either the number one or number two spot. Um, but it's... There's so many. I mean, there's there's some iconic scenes. There's the fucking Katz's Deli fake orgasm scene, which is one of the <laughs> most iconic scenes in rom-com history, just in film. And and what's very funny is that the the famous line, the I'll have what she's having, that's actually spoken by Estelle Reiner, which is Rob's mother. And that line at, was actually suggested by Billy Crystal. Nora Ephron did not write that line. Billy Crystal came up with that line. Um, but yeah, it's amazing. I mean, I want you guys to respond first and then I'll, I, I have a few fun facts I'd like to share. Go ahead, Alex. Oh, me first. Um, no, it's an iconic movie. I love the movie. I love all of Nora Ephron's movies, so just another obviously sleepless in seattle is my favorite then you've got mail then when harry met sally Ooh. Ooh. <laughs> Ooh, sorry to burst your bubble wow. but yeah it's all all of those movies are so good that there's nothing negative to say about them and just i love meg ryan so yeah i don't really have much to say on it it's it's a great movie i love it okay i you know for me like putting this list together, I think this is one of the movies that made this so hard because like last week, if it had been like top five rom-coms, go. I'd been like, all right, well, When Harry Met Sally is a, a lock, you know, like and, and a few others, right? Mm-hmm. And it's it's not in my top 10 having done wow. this. But like it feels like it should be. It's so fucking good. I watched it again this week. I love it. Uh, Karina just watched it for the first time, I think, which is hilarious. And she loved it. Like, oh. The, the diner scene is somehow more funny today. Like it seems to go on even longer and longer every time I watch it. Like it's, it doesn't get less funny. I just, Billy Crystal's so good. Obviously Meg Ryan's great in it. Like the concept is really good. Like them coming together like every five years and changing. 
I, I yeah, I love this movie. It just so, I don't know. Somehow there's just so many other good movies out there. Yeah, it just hey, I'm happy that it made no one else's. I was that was the one movie I thought was possibly going to be on all three of our lists. So I'm happy, but also sad because I mean I think it's one of the greatest fucking rom coms ever. It's not on your lists. Anyways, funny thing about that Katz's Deli scene. Alex had never been to Katz's Deli and we visited. So as I think we've mentioned before, Mike and I are both from Connecticut. Uh, I grew up going to the city, but Alex came to visit during the holidays last year. We spent some days in New York. We had a legendary feast at Katz's. And of course I showed her the table where they sat, where there is still a, a plaque that is hanging that says where, where Harry met Sally Hope you have what she had. Yeah, it was it was awesome to see that. And by the way, Cat's Deli, awesome hot dog. You'd never believe it, but delicious it's a, hot dog. It's a sleeper there. I mean, of course, get the pastrami sandwich, but the hot dog is a sleeper there. It's great. Um, but yeah, a couple a couple fun facts I want to drop about this one because there's quite a few. There, it was the fucking list is massive, but I'm just gonna pick a few. So. They actually, the way that this movie came about, the whole concept is when it was all about essentially Rob Reiner's return to single life life after a divorce. So him, Nora Ephron had come up with the concept a little bit together and that provided, so that provided the basis for Harry was what was going on with him. Sally was based on, on Ephron and some of her friends and then what was, I thought, very funny is that a lot of the dialogue in the film is based on the real-life friendship between Rob Reiner and Billy Crystal. They they joke about it. They're like, oh, we were in a few movies. We did, like, a few movies together, and then we were, we were, like, they were, like, best friends in some movie they did, I think, back in the 70s. And they are like, and we were just like, oh, this works. Let's just keep it going. And so they would, every night, which is a scene in the film with, I believe, Harry and Sally, where they're sitting on the phone together while they're each watching TV. Billy Crystal and Rob Reiner would do that almost every night of their real lives. They'd have their TVs on, but they'd be talking on the phone. (laughs) And so that sort of created the basis of a lot of the dialogue in the film and even some literal scenes like that, which I thought was interesting. also, Sally being such a picky eater in the film, that is based specifically on Nora Ephron. That's how she is in real life. And it was because like Rob Reiner had called her out on like a crazy order she made somewhere. And she's like, that's just how I am. And that specific line, I think like, that's just how I am or whatever. That's just how I like it. That made it into the film. Um, and what's very funny is years and years after the movie came out, Nora Ephron was on a plane. She ordered something very precise and the stewardess looked at her not knowing who it was. And she said, have you ever seen the movie when Mary, when, when Harry met Sally? Oh, that's hilarious. How freaking funny is that? Um, but yeah, there's so many more, but just a couple quick ones. The segments throughout the film where they show the married couples saying how they met, those are all real stories that Rob Reiner collected for the film, but they did hire actors to then actually tell them. So it's not the real couples. Um, And 
Yeah, I think that's that's what I'm going to give you for When Harry Met Sally. But I love this movie. I personally think it is the quintessential rom-com. But I have one left. Before that, let's hear Alex's number two. My number two, let's go back to 1987. It's Overboard with Goldie Hawn and Kurt Russell. The perfect couple's goals right there. Love them. You so, so are much. obsessed. Obsessed. I am I'm obsessed. I'm obsessed with Goldie Hawn and Kurt Russell. I do not lie about that. <laughs> <laughs> they are just amazing. Um, but it's directed by Gary Marshall and written by Leslie Dixon. And Overboard is it's ridiculously funny and so sweet. Goldie Hawn plays Joanna, who's a rich, selfish woman. Um and she's married to Grant, played by the late Edward Herman. And yes, rest in peace. Um, who is just as selfish as she is. They're both just a selfish married couple. And she uh their yacht ends up breaking down in Elk Cove, and she decides, I want a cedar closet for my clothes. So she hires a carpenter who is Kurt Russell. Um, his name is Dean Prophet, and he comes and works on her cedar closet at the end of it it's not cedar and she's very upset and tells him i'm not paying for that and she ends up pushing him overboard and includes his tools in (laughs) that and he is extremely pissed so they end up leaving on their yacht and she realizes she left her wedding rings on the boat so she runs out to get them and it's very kind of um wavy outside and she ends up going overboard and gets found by a fisherman and has amnesia so she ends up in elk cove in a facility and dean sees her on the tv and heads over and pretends that she is his wife and grant her actual husband goes there and decides to leave her there so dean says that's my wife annie I'm here to take her home. And they're like, she's like, that's not my husband, even though she has no clue. And he's like, well, she has a birthmark on her left butt cheek that he'd seen prior. So she has that birthmark and he ends up taking her home to his um, house where he has four kids. His wife had passed away. He has four sons and she ends up becoming their mom and has to do all the cooking, cleaning, crazy stuff. And she's just like, this is not my life. Like, this can't be my life. Fast forward. She ends up getting feelings for her so-called husband, and he obviously gets feelings too, and they end up, you know, actually making it work, and then Joanna's mom ends up calling Grant and being like, where's my daughter? And he had been dodging it, but finally goes back to the town to get her, and of course, as soon as he shows up, her memory clicks, and she remembers who she is, heads out back with him. And then realizes that she doesn't love that life anymore. She loves Dean and wants that different life. So at the end, it ends up, you know, happily ever after. But it's just a fucking great movie. And how can you not love actual real love in front of you? Because Kurt Russell and Goldie Hawn have been together for so many years. Is that where they met on that film or were they already together? They had been on a movie prior. So they, I believe, were together on that movie. Oh, but. Also, too, they talk about how both of their kids were there, like Wyatt Russell, who is awesome, and Oliver Hudson and Kate Hudson were at the movie with them while they were filming, and it's just so sweet. 
I love that movie. Have you seen this one, Mike? I, I haven't, no. <gasps> Get but on sh- it. Shout out Kate Hudson, who's in a fair number of rom-coms herself, though. True. True. How to um, lose a guy in 10 days. True. Fool's Galt. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> but also shout out Almost Famous, which is oh, legendary. Yeah. One of the one of the greats. But um, yeah, it's you have to watch it, Mike. It's such okay, a good movie. I'll watch it. Um, but they did end up doing a remake in 2018 with Anna Faris. Looked terrible. I saw it. I was. It wasn't good. <laughs> you know, I'm sorry. With a you know, when you have an original movie and you remake it, it's tough to remake it. I get it. So it wasn't good. But see Lion King. That's that's all we could say about that. It is tough to remake films. It hey, I will give Lion King for Mike, you and me. <laughs> obviously, two of the biggest Lion King fans in the goddamn world. OG, of course. But I will say, I went in, I felt like with the proper expectations to the new one, which of course was completely unnecessary. But I went in with the expectations of it's definitely not going to be even close to as good as the original. But if it at least can be a fun movie, I'll enjoy it. And I felt like it got that job done. But if anyone even tries to compare it to the original, then then we have something to talk about. Because that's there's no way to do that. Yeah. And there is a fun little fact I have. Tell us. So the pickup truck that Kurt Russell drove in that movie is the same pickup truck that chased down Chevy Chase in National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation. And I love that movie. I love that movie wow. so much. And also it's my it's my movie that I watch every Christmas Eve. Yeah, it is. It is. <laughs> so that was just an exciting fact. Random. I'm learning so much about you right now, Alex. <laughs> I know. You're you're like, I okay, that's who she is. What's your See, what's your like, Christmas movie? Your Christmas Eve movie? Uh I don't have a Christmas movie Ooh, per se. That's sus. I'm learning about bro. you too. I no, I don't actually. Now that you say it, I think we decided it should be Harold and Kumar three. I think we decided that last, last podcast. Oh, a very Harold and Kumar 3D Christmas. That's now your Christmas I movie. Know, that's I like movie. to play the "Is Die Hard a Christmas movie?" game. Oh, it is. It is. Uh, it is. I like to do that. Mine, mine. Although it's not movie length, I need to watch the original animated uh, "How the Grinch Stole Christmas" every Christmas Eve. What's your thoughts on the the like the whatever you call it live action Grinch? Oh, I love that movie. I'm not as I'm not so big on it, guys. Wow. When you do your Christmas movie podcast, please invite me back. You're I will. I, I've got to like jingle all the way, Santa like. There we gotta so save them for the podcast. Mike, you need to find your Christmas movie. So this sound this is gonna sound like a horrible cliche, and I hate this about myself, but I have a Christmas book. What's uh, it? What is it? I which is on the road, Jack Kerouac. I read every Christmas for the last like oh, twenty years. Really? Yep. I mean, it helps I like- prime me for the next year. I like that tradition. No, that's, that's awesome. Yeah. It's just a corny it's not a corny book, but it's like, you know. It's a, a popular book. I'll, and Dude, I like that tradition. And I and just because we're sidebarring on this quick little Christmas movie thing, so that I have to watch The Grinch thing, which it's not a movie. It's like a t- It was like a TV show, I think, when it came out, just like a TV special. But movie-wise, the, the movies I need to watch every Christmas Eve or Chris, just right around that or on Christmas Day, I need to watch Home Alone 1 and 2. Oh, yeah. 
can't go without absolute classics. I mean, you can't go wrong there. No. And personally, I think two's better. You heard it here first. (laughs) Gonna have to do a Home Alone deep dive. I'm not so sure about that. Well. Two better? It it could be. I'll let that one. Amazing. Yeah, it could be. Um, we're just fast forwarding these holidays. We're only at Halloween. Yeah, we're not even <laughs> quite at Halloween, but we are in October. True. Anyways, we'll do a Christmas podcast soon. Alex will rejoin us. But that is an incredible fun fact, especially given that I think those movies were made quite a few years apart, or at least a few I years. I can't remember apart. which limp. I think Christmas was the last limp. Well, no, Vegas was. Oh, Vegas. Yeah, but Christmas was definitely in the nineties. I think. Right. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna look. I gotta check that out right now because I'm very curious. Um, it was in. Oh no, it was '89. Okay, oh, okay, so it was similar timing. But that's an unbelievable fun fact. So Overboard, though, yeah, I've seen it. I'm not as hot on it as Alex, but I did enjoy it, and I did enjoy it. Not one of my favorites, but definitely a respectable choice. And I know how much this one loves Kurt Russell and Goldie Hawn, so <laughs> it's just I know that it. And they're in the Christmas Chronicles, another great movie. <laughs> it's all about Christmas. <laughs> oh. Okay. I mean, what, when Harry Met Sally is also kind of not around, it's a lot of the action takes place around New Year's, right? Christmas and New yeah. Year's. Yeah. But there are, yeah. And same as Sleepless in Seattle. I kind of consider it Christmassy. Doesn't a, About Time might have a holiday part too. Hmm. I don't remember actually. Um, we're just all about the Christmas over here. I know. Uh, I, guys, I think it's that time. I think it's time. Or Mike's number one, right? Yeah. Number one. All right. Wow. So I've come to find out this is also not a hot take. So I feel pretty confident in having this at my number one. Number one is the 1934 movie, It Happened One Night. What? (laughs) 1934? You've never seen it? I've never seen it. I've heard that it's a classic in the rom-com whatever, but I have never seen it. I'll admit I typically, I've seen a handful of very old movies because I studied film in college, but I don't typically enjoy them a ton. I don't have as much of an appreciation as others. Well, okay, so, all right, let me get the administrative stuff out of the way and then I'll pitch this to you. Okay. So this is uh, starring Clark Gable and Claudette Colbert. Uh, this movie won the Academy Award for Best Picture, Best Actor, Best Actress, Best Director, and Best Screenplay. The first film to do it. One of only three films to ever do it. That's your fun fact. Do you guys have any idea what the other two are? Titanic? No, no, because Leo didn't win. Um, Ooh. Do you have any guesses? No, no. No. Tell us. Silence of the Lambs and One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. Wow. Um, But anyway, yeah, so this was obviously the first one to do it because it's forever ago. Yeah. Um, Almost 100 years. What I wanted to say about this movie, like, so to go back to why I hate You've Got Mail. (laughs) How dare you? Wait, wait, wait. I'm kidding, sort of. Obviously, like what I was saying about You've Got Mail and like you have to judge movies like 
when they're made and and that applies to tons of movies that are old obviously fair enough totally real this movie 100 percent stands up without making any sort of like leaps or being like what's going on here i guarantee if you watch this movie you will come away thinking that it is incredible it's so funny uh like like clark gable is just hilarious with all of his one-liners the quality make like of the film is honestly it's still like beyond what i thought people were even doing in the 30s like there's an unbelievable tracking shot in the middle of it that's like could stand the test of time almost 100 years later it's incredible and what really brings this movie home is that a lot of these movies that i watched this week including you've got mail the like maybe the first act or first two acts are good they get you the setup you're in the relationship you're invested and then the ending is just sort of like eh i'm i'm not so sure i feel that way about chasing amy for what it's worth i love the first hour and the end makes me so frustrated cuz i have no idea why it's going on and it drives me fucking nuts <laughs> anyway like we've talked and, and i know justin you and i have talked about like lost and how people reacted to that and obviously like other finales but especially in rom-coms i feel like sticking the landing is really important in kind of making the whole movie matter um, because there's a lot of bad endings or, or predictable endings or like not impactful, you could say. Mm-hmm. And this mm-hmm. one is incredible. You're like literally like cheering, like out of your chair, like hoping for this to happen. Um, basically, the plot of the movie is like this woman kind of uh, like she's like super rich and she uh, wants to marry this certain guy and her dad won't let her. So she kind of runs away. And while she's on the run, she meets Clark Gable uh, and they travel for a while together and eventually like falls, falls in love uh, with him. And at the end, the dad is like such a total bro and like helps the girl <laughs> run out on her own wedding and meet Clark Gable. Uh, and they have like this hilarious like callback, like that's sentimental to their like relationship on the road and they fall in love uh, and live on happily ever after. And it's amazing. I don't know what to say. It's amazing. I mean, one, I think I can speak for both of us because we're looking at each other right now. You definitely just convinced, I think, us that we need to watch it. We are watching it tonight, Mike. Yes, we are. Well, I swear to God, you'll be blown away with how good it is. Well, like, it looks- you don't make any like logical leaps to be like, oh, I have to put myself in the 30s. No, just watch it like it's 2020 and you'll still love it. That's inc- oh my god! And, and what's so funny about you saying this is like again, I know all three of us probably looked through some lists of top rom coms ever, not to influence where we were going to put anything, but just to get re you know to get our memory jogged and be able to put down all the movies that we could be picking from. And this movie was on top of a couple of the lists I looked at, and it was you know I'd never seen it, and I was just like, oh okay, like. Here, here, Mike is putting it number one, and here we are. We're going to be watching it tonight, so I'm I'm very excited to check it out. And, and it sounds like a very respectable choice. I said this to you before we started the podcast, but I had a movie that I had to bump from my top five because it's based largely on this movie, which is uh, Roman Holiday with Audrey Hepburn, which I love but is not in my top five because it's a very similar plot um, in the sense that like the rich young girl kind of runs away and she's with like a guy that's 
basically using her for like a, a newspaper story. And that's kind of like the drama of their relationship. Okay. So was that going to be in place of the other number one? If I had to put Roman Holiday on my list, it would probably be number maybe like three or so. Okay. But then I'd, I don't know. It was I'd have to rework my list. But yeah, I got bumped because of that. <laughs> that's that's a fair reason. That's a fair reason. Um, well, my number one, which I didn't say earlier because I wanted to keep the suspense up. <laughs> but my number one is forgetting Sarah Marshall. Oh. Shrieky! Shrieky! Oh my god, <laughs> so incredible. Um, there was, again, like I said, I toiled a bit because I thought, well, I think When Harry Met Sally is the quintessential in my eyes, but the movie that I keep coming back to, the one that I can watch any day, it has never gotten old in the 12 years since it has come out. Forgetting Sarah Marshall. It's, it's one of, it is so good. Mike, you already said a lot, but I mean, it, it, has the, it has the romance part down pat. I just couldn't love the story more of a guy trying to get over his ex and he meets this intriguing, beautiful, wonderful, funny girl at this resort in Hawaii. The whole premise is just unbelievable with his, with his famous actress girlfriend staying at the resort with this rock star and it's it's laugh out loud funny from beginning to end the romance parts are really sweet really great the cameos are incredible to me it's ultimate i mean it's it may not be the absolute quintessential rom-com but it's definitely my favorite and it's it's amazing it uh I was, there was a, I guess what I'll do, I'll give a couple fun facts since we've gone through pretty much a lot of the movie already, but I thought it was really interesting that only 60 to 70% of the movie was scripted and the rest was all improv. So 30 to 40% of what happens is improv, which I, which on the one hand, I'm like, I'm not that surprised because we have so many heavyweights of the comedy scene in there. They're all probably good at that shit. But another thing, the Dracula rock opera was inspired by Jason Siegel's real life attempt to do this and make that prior to being a successful actor. <laughs> so he really tried to make that opera before he's a real, he plays piano. He's skilled at a skilled piano player. And I mean, it's unbelievable knowing that he actually makes it come to life in this and it's incredible. Um, it Jason Siegel wrote the movie and what I find really interesting. So Jason Siegel was in a little show by Judd Apatow called undeclared back in the day. Also freaks and geeks, of course, but in undeclared Charlie Hunnam of now sons of anarchy fame was in that show. And initially Jason Siegel wrote the role of Aldous snow for Charlie Hunnam. Oh, that would have been so good. It would have been amazing, but with that said, now that we've seen it, nobody could be in that role except Russell Brand. For sure, but that still would have been so good. It would have been so good. Um, another thing, the very famous naked naked breakup scene where Siegel is totally fucking naked, dick out, 
that is inspired by a real life breakup that he experienced where a girl broke up with him while he was naked. And, <laughs> and I think I think they initially wrote it where he got dressed. They did. And then they decided to do that. And uh, so because of, because of Siegel's like real life experience, and he said the entire script was based on four breakups he, he had had over the course of his life. One of those breakups, not the naked one, was with Linda Cardellini who of course was freaks and geeks and lately has been big again because of that Netflix show dead to me, um, which I found interesting. I never, I didn't know that they had dated, but yeah, so that's some fun facts. And then I guess uh, one funny one I'll leave us, I'll leave you guys with is when the film was first released, uh, Universal was promoting it by hiring like those those airplanes, like those skywriters to fly over cities with messages along the lines of like, I hate you, Sarah Marshall. And real life women named Sarah Marshall were getting calls from their friends asking if they were having trouble with their husbands or boyfriends. Wow. And hilarious. some complained to the police but they were told under the first amendment, there was nothing they could do to stop it. <laughs> That's Amazing. hilarious. Amazing. The, That's... We've already said so much about it, but since you mentioned undeclared, uh-huh. also shout out Carla Gallo as gag me girl. Yes, in this movie. yes. So, so, and really that whole scene, like the other girl that he's like having sex with is just like, oh, oh, I just yes, can't. Yes, yes. I just can't. <laughs> <laughs> so fucking good. Carla, though, she always has those amazing bit roles in the Apatow films. And this is yeah, one of her standouts. But, yeah, so forgetting Sarah Marshall, I mean, that's, I think, I don't know Alex's number one yet, but uh, I believe, you can tell us, I believe this is going to be the only film that any of us shared on any of these lists. Definitely. Okay, yeah. there you go. I'm glad you guys had your swiggy romance moment. <laughs> That's exactly what it was. Well described. <laughs> Very well described. Um, and now the moment that we've really all been waiting for. The last number one. The number one. See, the number one. This is just my go-to movie for any day. I could watch it. I could turn it on seven days a week and be happy as a clam. Runaway Bride. Wow. Made in 1999. Directed by Gary Marshall, who directed also my previous number two, Overboard, and also Pretty Woman. Julia Roberts, Richard Gere, Joan Cusack. Oh my God. (laughs) There she is, winner of the podcast. She is the queen. She's making the rounds. Um, Hector Elizondo, I think that's how you say his last name, and then Rita Wilson. If you don't know who he is, you'd know if you saw him. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, this is uh, the ultimate rom-com. Richard Gere plays Ike Graham, a New York columnist who um, takes a story from someone he met at a bar and writes a column about it, about this woman who runs away from all of her fiancés during right as the wedding's about to start. And Julia Roberts plays Maggie Carpenter, who's a small town girl. She's the one that does all the runaways. And basically... The story comes out and it's not been fact-checked. So Ike, Richard Gere gets in trouble um, 
from his ex-wife, who's actually heads the paper, and fires him. So he goes out to Maryland to find out the actual truth. And um, Julia Roberts gives him, like, a really hard time in the beginning, and she's actually about to get married again. So he is watching, like, things unfold and just learning so much about her. And eventually she decides, okay, like, I'll let you follow me around so you actually get the facts. And, of course, there's a lot of flirting and... Over time, Richard Gere learns that she just does not know who she is. And she goes into these marriages unsure of everything because she's made this these guys believe she is she is the perfect woman for them without even figuring out herself. And it's just a wonderful, beautiful, sweet movie. And there's so many amazing like quotes said between them that just melt your heart and make you want to fall in love. But at the end, um, it kind of turns around and Ike ends up being the one who's going to marry Maggie because she leaves her fiancé for him. And they literally are going to get married in seven days from when this happened. And Ike believes he is the one who can change her. And as she's walking down the aisle, she freaks out and gets on a FedEx truck and drives out of there. (laughs) And he goes back to New York and she starts working on herself and – um at the end she shows up in his apartment and she basically hands over her running shoes and said i'm done running and they end up having a small wedding just the two of them and finally she gets married and it's just the sweetest story ever and one of my favorite parts of it is um every time she's with someone she likes different eggs so with one guy she likes scrambled with one another guy she only likes egg whites And so she ends up trying every type of egg and figures out she is an Eggs Benedict girl, which is just so cute and sweet. And yeah, it's just the perfect movie. I love it because Richard Gere, who is yummy. Julia Roberts and Richard Gere. (laughs) Who is he? (laughs) Julia Roberts and Richard Gere make amazing movies together. She loves Richard Gere. I love Richard Gere. That's like her like older guy. He's the beautiful silver fox. Yeah. Oh my God. Yes. And um, funnily enough, Hector Elizondo, I believe his last name is, he actually played Barney in Pretty Women. The guy who runs the hotel. Yes, 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 yes. The three of them all worked together before. Um, including Gary Marshall. And then another fun fact, Julia Roberts, she actually canceled her real wedding to Kiefer Sutherland literally right before it happened. You're kidding. Yeah. So she's, you know, an actual... I know. She almost got married to Jack Bauer. (laughs) I'd say she fucked up. Um, Uh, But so great. And my other favorite part of um, Runaway Bride before everyone else chimes in on their thoughts on it. Um, Duckbill Platypus, when her friend Joan Cusack, who is, of course, amazing, um, is mad at her because she was, Julia Roberts was flirting a little bit with her husband. She says, do the thing. And Julia Roberts is like, no, I'm not going to do the thing. And she does this platypus where she pulls her lips to the side and sticks her tongue out to look like a platypus. And I did this in high school with my friends. We would always do it. Hilarious. But it only got in the movie because Julia Roberts was doing it to Gary Marshall's grandchildren as a joke to make them laugh. And he was like, we're putting that in the movie. Wow. This is cute. Wow. That's another great fun fact. Mm -hmm. So 
Runaway Bride guys. I think it's a fantastic movie. Um, that's actually another one of the few pretty iconic ones that I hadn't seen until the last couple of years. And I watched with you and I was, I really liked it. I'd say probably the biggest ones I had never seen for whatever reason was that one. You've got male and pretty woman up until the last couple of years. And I I've seen them all now and I, I think they're all great. I love runaway bride. I personally just personal taste if I'm comparing directly with Pretty Woman, because it's all the same players. Oh, please pretty, tell me you prefer Pretty Woman. I do. I do. Yes. And, okay, and that's exactly pretty what I was going to say. Actually, was maybe going to be my number five. So I like Pretty Woman. I, I think Runaway Bride's okay for me, to be honest. I think maybe that's I'll totally... You know, I'll I'll accept that. I did also want to add Runaway Bride has a phenomenal soundtrack. That's true. It's that's so true. good. Hollow Notes, The Chicks. It's great. <laughs> I'll say like Runaway Bride from because I think I think it's great. It's I could see it leans whereas some romantic comedies are totally in the middle. Some lean a little guy friendly. Some lean a little gal friendly. That one leans a little gal friendly. Pretty Woman, I'll say. I always thought that was going to be the case, and I don't think that at all. I think it's just an incredible movie through and through. And like I will say, I never understood the Julia Roberts hype even growing up during when she was most famous. And Pretty Woman made me understand the Julia Roberts type. And then I I saw Runaway Bride after Pretty Woman, which I think was the perfect way to do it, of course. And um, But yeah, I, I don't have anything negative to say about Runaway Bride. I think it's a respectable choice. Yeah. What about, what about you? You got anything else, Mike? You've said almost exactly what I was going to say about it, especially in comparison to Pretty Woman. I exactly agree with what you just said. Uh, the only thing I guess I'll add for podcast sake is shout out Christopher Maloney, who is like the coach. One was like oh, one of the many many oh, women yes, yes. and hero of the podcast for playing Freak Show in Harold and Kumar. Yes, I and also a small appearance by our man Donal Logue is in this movie. Yes, he he's is. like the priest. Oh my god! Big shout out Donal. Wow, we love Donal. Um, good man. Uh, wow. Epic shout out. So there you have it. That's our top fives right there. Does everyone want to throw out a few honorable mentions? Alex, let's, let's start with you. Ladies first. So obviously baby boom was one of them. Love that movie. Diane Keaton, really cute and sweet. Clueless. It was so tough for me not to put clueless on my list. Yeah. You love that movie. Wait, can we talk about Clueless really quick? Oh yeah. Okay, so I watched Clueless this week for the first time, and I'm I'm struggling with the incest thing. What's up with that? But okay, they're like stepbrothers, really- but like ex stepbrother. But like, is that cool? <laughs> yeah. Like, wait, and that's Paul Rudd. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Paul Rudd, sort Paul of the hero of the podcast. Kind of hero of the podcast. Paul and Joan. Yeah. <laughs> you know. Um. Well, it's like her dad is his old step dad right right yeah so i feel like there's no blood and it's oh god when anytime you have to say <laughs> you anytime have to say you have to say there's say no blood like that it's like you're like for uh, me to accept yeah. this movie i also have to get out of the woody allen's a creep fan club 
because yeah. I think it's the same sort of thing going on where it's like there's no blood, but I guess in today's today it would look terrible. Back then, you're just like, oh my god, it's so no, cute. Today, it's literally every video on Pornhub, it's, it's like the it's like, <laughs> like what is happening? Yeah, it's oh. you know that's why those ma- movies were made then. We accept them for what they were then. So what's funny about Clueless, though, Clueless truly to me, and I know there's one or two friends that I can think of that would disagree with this, but Clueless to me truly is one of those films that I really just, it it is mostly a girl thing. I just... Yeah, for sure. Yeah. yeah. I don't fully get it. I can enjoy the film, but it's... I can... I know these days people don't like using the term chick flick or whatever mm-hmm. because of the times, but but that is to me one of the quintessential. Because of the times, chick. it's a chick flick. It's like, a chick let's, flick. People, guys, yeah. chick flick is okay. I like that yeah. we're like There's nothing we're negative like, about that connotation. I don't tiptoeing around chick flick in a movie about incest. Like what <laughs> are we talking? About? <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's a chick flick. Um, it's not a dick flick. Okay, no, it's a it chick flick. No. <laughs> I don't know how many honorable mentions are we supposed to do. You can throw out as many as you want. Throw out five or so, whatever, you know. <laughs> five, ten, twenty, you know. Yeah. I like same. how you assume there's some kind of structure to the podcast. <laughs> yeah. There's not. I don't know. I don't want to like, you know, overtake everyone else's because mine a... are just great, you know. <laughs> say a few more. So just... one fine day. I've never seen it. What's one fine day? I don't even know what that is. Michelle Pfeiffer, George Clooney, oh. Mae Whitman, Alex D. Lins, who was in one of what? the Home Alones later in life. I've never seen this. Alex, oh, it's so. George Clooney and Michelle Pfeiffer are parents who, um, like, single parents. And okay. George Clooney's supposed to take his daughter to meet them, okay. um, drop her off, and then. Michelle Pfeiffer is supposed to take the kids to go on a field trip, but George Clooney fucks it up because he's a cool dad and they end up missing the boat. So then both parents have to like do their regular days of jobs and take care of the children. So they keep switching off and just all these crazy things happen. Like the little boy puts a marble up his nose and they have to deal with it. And over time, obviously the chemistry comes between the two of them, but it's just a fun, sweet movie. It's from 1996. Okay. So wow. it's one to put on your list and watch. You got any more? I've got a few more. The Wedding Singer. That's on mine yeah. as well. Yeah. Yeah. Gotta oh. be. It's oh, so such good. a good movie. And I'm I'm sad none of us had it in our top I five. Know. I know. I debated I debated putting it there, but I just it didn't quite make the cut for me. It's so it's eas- easily top ten, but it's yeah, it could be in anyone's top five. Such a fantastic rom com. Yeah, Adam Sandler, Drew Barrymore, and Blended too. And what was the other movie? Oh, Fifty First Dates, another great rom com. Oh yeah, Adam Sandler getting some love, really. Yeah, Sandler getting some love right now. But I mean, this was definitely their best pair, in my opinion. Um, kill off Wedding Singer, so good. I know. I'll let you guys do some and see if, you know, my last few end up on yours. If not, I'll throw them in after. Mike, you mind if I jump in here? Yeah, go. So, so Pretty Woman could have been, you know, that was one of the ones I was toiling over for number five. The other two or, or the other couple that I was really potentially putting in there 
Love Actually, which all that was one that for many, many years, I would have always had that in my top five. It's a Christmas movie. It's got so many great people in it. It's raunchy at times, but it's very sweet. But in rewatching it somewhat recently, after a couple of people telling me some maybe that it didn't hold up as well, I, I still love it, but like it does jump around so much from story to story that it, it doesn't hold like the emotional weight that a lot of these other films hold for me. So I ended up taking it off, but I still love it. So love actually. And then a, a sort of more recent movie I love, Crazy Stupid Love. With, uh, that's in my honorable mentions. I think this movie doesn't get enough love. I, I do too. That's actually It's actually the one I did rewatch this week, and it's fantastic. It's, uh, it's very funny. It's got great heart and multiple storylines. It's, I mean, it's great. Steve Carell, Ryan Gosling, Emma Stone, um, Kevin Bacon. It's, it's got a great cast. But that one, and then one more, and then I'll let you do a few. Well, I'll just, so two other ones. Jerry Maguire, <laughs> Friends with Benefits were two that. <laughs> were wait, two wait, that wait, 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 wait. What, what? Is Friends with Benefits, because you know there's those two movies that came out yes. at the exact same time. Yes. Which one Friends, is Friends with Benefits? JT and Mila Kunis. The other okay, one yeah. No Strings Attached with oh, Natalie Portman movie. and Ashton Kutcher. I can't remember which one is better, to be honest. I'm I'm team Friends with Benefits all day. I'm team Natalie. Uh, my all right, I'm going to have to watch uh, and break the tie there. So, but then I had Jerry Maguire, which I love. But then the one movie I really wanted to call out before I hand it over to you, Mike, is a movie that I know we've, we argued a bit before the podcast about if it is a rom-com, but a film that probably could be in my number five slot. And I didn't really consider because forgetting Sarah Marshall was at the top of the list with the same actors, but I love you, man. I, I fucking love this movie. And I think it has, it's absolutely hilarious. Similar to forgetting Sarah Marshall has a lot of heart. And not only deals with a, a relationship between Paul Rudd and Rashida Jones, but also the bromance relationship between Paul Rudd and Jason Siegel. And I just love it. And I know we all were debating a bit. Is it a rom-com? Is it not a rom-com? What's, what's the verdict? I, th I think I've landed on that it's not a rom-com based on the assumption that a brocom is not a romcom, but I I don't know. It's just tough because, like, I don't. Does romance actually have to be the way we look at it? Like an actual sexual, yeah. Like relationship, you can have romance with your best friend. I don't know. It's just it's, it's tough. It's if it gives you that feeling of like love and romance, then I guess it, I would consider it a romcom. Hey, it's. I won't even declare victory there because it's too. In that case, it would be a two v one. I'm not. I don't think that's the case. I think it is a bit of a gray area. But it's tough. I know, it's not about a couple, that necessarily isn't together at the beginning and then are at the end or whatever. So, I know we had talked about. Oh, that's something inherent in a lot of rom coms. But I think it hits a lot of the notes. And 
either way, I love the film and I think it should at least be considered. Okay. We'll consider it. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Mike's like, I, I don't know if I'm considering it. No. But... <laughs> no, no, no. I, 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 I consider it. I'll, I'll let you have it because I love it. So fair enough. I want to hear your honorable Fuck. mentions. Uh, all right. So I guess I'm going to be like the old movie guy, which is fine. Here we so. go. Here we go. <laughs> no, so I said Roman Holiday already, which I currently have at number seven. Mm-hmm. That's 1953, Gregory Peck, Audrey Hepburn. Love that movie. Uh, I have in my number six, slightly after my number one. So 1937, The Awful Truth. Not the ugly truth with Gerard Butler and Catherine Heigl, which I also rewatched this week to confirm that it's bad. And fun fact, I went to see that movie with my mom in the theaters. I have no idea why. Shout out, mom. Uh, but that, yeah, Awful Truth 1937 is, I would say, like, it's, I don't know, it's like one of the earliest, like, screwball comedies, like, like wacky, like hijinks, like very similar to rom-coms of, like, the 2000s which is a bit trippy, like watching such an old movie like that. Mm-hmm. But it's also uh, mostly improv, which is pretty fun. That's cool. Um, Crazy Stupid Love I had. Uh, one thing that we haven't mentioned that's – I, it's only like say like I think it's 69% on Rotten Tomatoes. But for me, just a lifelong love of 10 Things I Hate About You. Oh, yeah. That was on mine too. Oh, I mean, yeah. I, I do agree that it may not be like but it's the a classic. best film out there, but it's such a fucking classic. And just like the stacked cast of like where some of these people went went on to be like still just gets me. I watched it again this week and I, I love it just as much as ever, really. Uh, it's so good. Amazing. So love good. That movie. I, and I, I have, should I throw some out for the, didn't think they were rom-coms category. Well, you know what? I have one more regular <laughs> yeah, honorable mention. Or, oh, I love to hear. You go this. first, and then I'll end with this one. I was like, I didn't one. want to like take everyone yeah. just in case, but clearly. Uh, well, I have like another twenty, so we can just keep going. Just <laughs> <laughs> your round robin. Yeah. yeah, you go, you go. Yeah. Okay, so uh, I have three more, and then one that I actually just wanted to bring up, but. My other three, Never Been Kissed with Drew Barrymore. Yep. Okay, yeah. Um, which actually is funny. Wedding singer Drew Barrymore, Alexis Arquette. Never Been Kissed, Drew Barrymore, David Arquette. Oh, so, that Arquette and, yeah. family. And, then, and David Arquette, they almost cast in High Fidelity, too. Wow. wow. He was going to be the third record store guy with Jack Black <laughs> and John Cusack, which would have been great. That would have been great, actually. Aww. I would have loved that. Sorry to that other guy, though. <laughs> <That's smart. laughs> Um, Blast from the Past. I haven't seen that in a long time. Brendan uh, Fraser. Brendan Fraser, yeah. Yeah. Alicia, Alicia Silverstone. Mm. Both great. And then, because I said so, this was a 2007 movie. You guys probably didn't see it. Mandy Moore, Diane Keaton, Piper Parabo. Oh, and I think that's four shout outs for Diane Keaton. And oh she's taking over the first place spot. Holy shit. Her and Joan need to have a fucking smackdown. Um, but then you had you said this movie not because we were actually talking about it but then it made me think dumb and dumber it's it's not a i don't think it's a rom-com so you're but then i'm arguing that i love you man isn't a rom-com true because they do love this is why it's buddy com but here's the difference with dumb and dumber because and by the way dumb and dumber is my single favorite comedy of all time and in my top five films ever made no question but 
Dumb and Dumber, he doesn't get the girl at the end. It's like, I guess in his dumb way, he sort of, he succeeds a bit, but like, there is no, he doesn't get the girl. Like, and I love you, man. I know that he already has the girl, but like, he is, he like definitely gets the girl at the end because of the, the bromance with Siegel and what happens. Whereas in Dumb and Dumber, of course, Harry and Lloyd do have each other still at the end, but they had each other at the beginning, but he does not have Mary at the end of the film. But they both wanted Mary. That's true. That's true. Kill him. (laughs) 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 Oh, I can literally watch that film anyway. Most quotable fucking movie of all time. So good. No, it just came out of nowhere. (laughs) It was amazing. (laughs) I love Jim Carrey. He's a gem. He really is. But yeah, I'd say the one movie that I forgot to bring up, I actually don't even have it on my list, but I meant to have it on there on my mentions, is the most recent movie any of us are going to shout out is Long Shot. Yeah. The the Seth Rogen, Charlize Theron movie from a couple years back, which there has not been just like a sort of a classic type rom-com in a while. And to see one come to screen was really funny had a solid plot like it really impressed me and i i think it deserves a shout out i think maybe we just need to keep inventing superlatives to shout out <laughs> on movies. so movies uh let's see my favorite movie that involves a wooden hand moonstruck <laughs> with Nicolas Cage and Cher. Uh, wow uh, shout out <laughs> Let's see. Uh, my favorite movie that I thought was a great rom com when I was a kid, and I'm not so sure anymore. Can't hardly wait with oh, uh, memory. No, it's still pretty Jennifer damn good, Love. dude. Movie um, that I love, and I know Dylan Cohen loves, Just Friends. Oh, so great. <laughs> also, speaking of other best Ryan Reynolds romantic comedy, The Proposal. Oh, yeah, shout so out Sandra that. Bullock and so Betty so White. Good. I, uh, mo- I anyone watching this, I dare you to every time you hear the word shout out, take a shot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Seriously, read Joan Cusack. Yeah, anyway, anyway, is absolutely incredible. In that movie. Oh, she's so White. good. Um, uh, let's see, movies that I thought weren't actually that good, but now I think are incredible. The Girl Next Door. <laughs> oh my I god! I always thought it was incredible. <laughs> it's better than I thought, dude. It's really better than I thought. Wait, I don't know how I forgot to think about that movie. That's actually a crime. Movies that I recently convinced Justin to watch that I've always loved from the get, 27 Dresses. (laughs) (laughs) And we actually know someone who's an extra in that. Brendan. Oh my God, yes, we do. (laughs) Yes, we do. Our friend Brendan is literally an extra in a couple or one or two of the scenes in that film. (laughs) Wow, that's Um, amazing. Yeah, unbelievable. So I'm done done with categories. All right, we're done with categories. Let's... let's, uh, Let's do some before we're going to talk about selling sunset a little bit because we'd be remiss not to. But right before we do that, let's talk about these alternate ones where pretty much we all talked about going into this. We, we had to create our criteria for what a rom-com is. And there were a few films each of us came up with, which 
we don't quite know if they're rom-coms. And I guess, yeah, we've argued that about like, I love you, man. And maybe one or two others at this point, but these are films where they definitely have a romance aspect, but we really just don't quite know if they're rom-coms, but we love them. And we wanted to create a space to shout them out, take a shot. So here's a few of those. Al, do you want to start? Sure. Are we doing all of ours or? Yeah, just throw a few okay. out. Okay. So I have four. Um, my first one from 1997, Romeo and Michelle's High School Reunion. Oh, okay. It's Lisa Kudrow and Mira Servino. They're um, lost in their lives and their 10 year reunion comes up and they really haven't done much. So they go to their reunion and try and be people they aren't end up having a little rift between them um and then one of their love interests ends up being this loser and their other love this other guy that loved one of them ends up being this rich guy and basically you know they end up being on top of and so why would you what's the argument for why it's a rom-com well because there is a romantic part to it at the end michelle who is played by lisa kudrow she ends up with um or i don't know if they really end up together but there is a love interest between her and this guy that always loved her in high school Mm -hmm. and he ends up taking them away and like in a helicopter and they end up okay so being together so So, there's like some romance to it it's alan cumming that's who i was thinking of oh yeah, yeah 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 so i feel like there is it is a rom-com. There is romance in the movie. Okay. I don't quite think it's a rom-com, but I think it's perfect for this list because of okay. that. Um, I'm kind of on the fence, to be honest. Yeah, it's tough because when you think about it, it is... It's it, kind of like I Love You, Man, too, because the romance true. is happening, but also their best their friendship. Best friendship. It's true. Okay, okay. You make a good point. You make a good I point. think we've learned in the six degrees of rom-coms, it's either I love you, man, or you've got mail. It's every movie. <laughs> <laughs> um, what else you got for us? The Intern. Have you guys seen that? Oh, such oh, a I didn't great see it. movie. Oh, my. It's, is it really good? It's, and it's written and directed by Nancy Myers. Oh. And it's so, like, you need my, to watch it. That's what you need to watch. Yeah, like, it's, uh, it's really good. Yes, it's, it's so really good. I don't remember good. anyone saying that it's good. It is so good. It's so good. It's one of those underrated movies. Yes. It's so fucking good. But I don't want to give it away because Mike hasn't seen it. Yeah, yeah. But bottom line, I think the reason that you would say... There is romance in there. But the main portion of it is is not a romantic relationship. Mm -hmm. So I... But I feel like that relationship helps the outsider. Yeah. Yeah, that is a really tough one. It is sort of... A romantic. It is sort of, if this makes any sense, it is sort of a romantic comedy, but it's not necessarily a rom com. Like it's those are the two words I'd use to describe it. It's a comedy and a romance, but it's not like a classic rom com. Yeah, that is where it gets tricky when it's both things but not a rom com. Yeah, that's where you're just going by feel, right? Yeah, it's it's tough. That one actually that definitely skirts the line for me. But great movie. Check that one out, Mike. Yeah, definitely watch it and then my other two big business you love yeah from 1988 and then three men and a baby okay 1987 both 
there is like a diff there's a core subject but surrounding them is is romance, romance. yeah those so, are I that's I guess that's my view of a rom-com like it can there can be another romance happening mm -hmm. that isn't necessarily sexual but around them there are mm -hmm. yeah I think of those four for me <sighs> have you seen either of those Mike uh I've seen three men and a baby but you haven't seen big business no it's on your to-do list. <laughs> <laughs> adding it. Adding it now. Ed Midler, Lily Tomlin. I think these were all good ones for this alternative list. They're all they're all questionable. They're all they're all in the gray area. Which they, and they totally could be. Let us know if you're listening. Let us know what you think. Um, I, I guess I'll give mine. Uh, so I have a few. I have. I start off with actually two different Mark Duplass films um, that came out in the in the 2010s. I have Safety Not Guaranteed, which uh, came out in 2012. And it's, again, it's described as a romantic comedy. And I think really maybe, a, a, I think it is, it's, it's also got a little sci-fi piece to it, sort of because essentially what the film's about is these this like reporter and a couple interns at this company go to check out this classified ad for a guy who says he has a time travel machine and he like needs someone to test it out with him and it's with Mark Duplass, Jake Johnson, Aubrey Plaza, really really well reviewed movie, a little indie and it has it absolutely has a romantic like it it is does have a romance but it also centers around this whole time travel thing and if it's real or not and leads up to sort of a climactic moment of Duplass showing and trying to use this machine. And I won't give away what happens, but it really affected me when it came out. And it was one of my favorite, I think it was maybe like my favorite movie from that year. Um, and it's very sweet, but I think some people would say, you know, it's got, it's comedy, sci-fi, dramedy, whatever, but it totally has romance in it. So it, it can be argued. The other Duplass film is Your Sister's Sister, which is him, Emily Blunt, and Rosemary DeWitt. Absolutely fantastic film. Um, it came out very similar timing, 2011. Um and the plot on that one is that Duplass is going through a tough time. He's recently had a breakup. Emily Blunt is like his best friend. And she tells him, go to my lake house. You have to like take a ferry there. He goes and there's supposed to be no one home, but her sister played by Rosemary DeWitt is home. And so they end up like drinking this night they sleep together, and the next morning, Emily Blunt gets there, who also wasn't going to show up, but she's surprised to see her sister there. They at first decide to hide the whole thing that happened with them from her, and sort of as they are going to tell her, it's revealed that she is actually in love with Mark Duplass's character, so it 
becomes this whole web of not telling her. And I won't go further because there's some twists and turns along the way, but it's very, very good. And again, it's sometimes I struggle to call it a rom-com because it's not that funny and it also has like a lot of drama as well like it's it has like a drama piece to it but it skirts the line and it's really good have, have you guys seen either of those films i've seen safety not guaranteed and i've decided it's a rom-com but i haven't seen the other Ooh, one amazing okay well alex and i are gonna have to watch both of those because you you need to see those um Another film I'm going to throw out there is Celeste and Jesse Forever, which it's funny. All these movies came out like around the exact same time. That movie came out in 2012 and it's with Andy Samberg and Rashida Jones. Um, and I think it is a romantic comedy, but it also is a drama. And what it actually is about is a couple, the, those two, who... They, they like dated in high school, married young, and it starts with they have broken up. And so their marriage is over. And it's about the fact that they are still best friends. So they still hang out all the time, which everyone finds weird except them. And it's really, it, it becomes a drama because like they don't understand that it's harmful towards their progression as humans, but they don't want to let go of each other because they do love each other. And so it's, it's a very... I feel like in ways it's true to life. It's emotional. It's also very funny. So it's, again, it it's sort of a unconventional rom-com, but it's tough to 100% deem it one. Have either of you guys seen this movie? No. No. No? There, hey, put it on the list. I, this is what I want to do. I, wanna th I wanted to say all these because they're, they're like a little bit lesser known. And then my last one, which I don't consider a rom-com, but also one of my all-time favorite movies, Mike and I already discussed this, Wedding Crashers. So fucking funny. And many argue that it could be a rom-com. And it does have very rom-com pieces to it. I mean, it is... It's hard. Some days when I talk about it, I'm like, it is a fucking rom-com. I mean, it's, it is literally about two people that end up getting together at the end. And one of them is unattainable at the beginning, but it also is just such a massive comedy that it's hard for me to not call it a comedy at the end of the day. I don't know. What, what is everyone's ruling on this? What is, what is wedding crashers a rom-com or a comedy like, with rom-com aspects? Like it's kind of like, it could be, it can be comedy. And then it's like a sub rom-com. That is what yeah, I think it I, is. I decided it was buddy comedy, but it has, two two romances in it right two. i mean there's the yes. main one but then the the isla fisher uh Vince relationship Vaughn. with Vince Vaughn is also just great also bradley cooper christopher walken what a fucking movie just bradley <laughs> cooper is so fucking good in that movie crab cakes and football that's what maryland does just the name of it, just the name being sack just gets just and when he's doing when he's doing the thing with like the otter in the oil and he's like right, right before he like voices and he's like and he's got the oil in his mouth and he's like it just gets me every time it's so fucking oh my god it's so much it's too much um but that's it for me 
So we've got we've got you left, my friend. Okay, some so we talked about this earlier in the week, but is Moonrise Kingdom a rom com? It is very romantic and it is funny. I've decided it's not a rom com, but I, I love no. this movie. I love so it too. Have you seen it? No. Oh, it, this is my favorite West Anderson movie. I for me, I feel like this is where like all of the quirkiness of Wes Anderson has come together to make like such a great film. I mean, the, the shots are great. I mean, the, obviously the story's great. It has some, some great roles by Edward Norton, Bruce Willis, and obviously Bill Murray, in addition to like the lesser known actors. But mm-hmm. I mean, the There's costumes so are great. The set deck is great. The music is incredible. I mean, and, and it's just, it's, a, it's, it's about childhood romance. I mean, it just makes me so happy to watch this movie. But it's, it doesn't give you the same emotions as a rom-com. No, it's definitely different emotions, but it is such a wonderful, heartwarming, just hits so many notes on why it's a great movie. Yeah. And I, I feel the same about Rushmore. I've decided Rushmore is not a rom-com also. But so crazy. A borderline. Like, I haven't seen it. I'm not sure that you'll like it, but you should watch it. But you'll come away saying it's not a rom-com. And it's 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 similar similar way where it's like, yes, it's a romance movie. Yes, it's funny, but it's to me, it's clearly not one. But only because it's you know this this the feeling. Yeah, all his movies sort of have that. They could they they couldn't be a rom com. Yeah. Um, right? like, I have no West movies are really wrong. I don't think so. I mean, because they're not going to be like, they've they're just not going to have that like, sort of over the top funny aspect, right? They're all going to be like flatter in terms of the comedy. Right. Right. Anything else? Um, so I've got true romance, uh, which is both funny in a dark way and romantic, but is very clearly not a rom-com. Yes. Uh, for anyone, I mean, film people will probably already know, but this is a movie written by Quentin Tarantino, not directed by Quentin Tarantino. It's directed by Tony Scott, but is an outrageous movie with Christian Slater and Patricia Arquette, which just ends in a Tarantino level of violence. And I fucking love this movie. Uh, shout out to Brad Pitt and yes, take a shot. Big shout but out Brad, to Brad Pitt. Brad Pitt's role in this movie is just hilarious. <laughs> oh, dude, such a fucking um, good role by him. I have uh, Punch Drunk Love, which is a movie I really like, but I don't think is very funny, though I see it called a rom-com all the time. Great different role for Sandler, for anyone that Big shout out to Adam Sandler again. He's leading. He's. I think he might be leading the male side of the podcast now. We're all drunk at this point. We are. <laughs> Um, I guess because I'm going to be that guy, The Apartment. This is uh, it won Best what? Picture in 1961. The Apartment? It's uh, Jack Lemon. Yeah, it is traditionally called a rom-com. Well, no, it's traditionally called oh, romance dude, dude, and comedy. I thought, I thought you were talking about The Tenant for a second. I was like, the horror movie? I was like, no, 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 no. This movie is, it is romantic and I love this movie, but... I have a hard time calling any movie that centers around suicide a, a rom-com. So I'm bucking that definition. I don't care what people say. It's not a rom-com. Okay. I've and never seen it, see. but love Shirley MacLaine. The, 
I don't. I wouldn't say that I love this movie, but I appreciate the take on rom coms, which is warm bodies. Did you guys ever see that movie? You know what? I didn't, but I heard that it was a very interesting take on the rom com. It's like vampires. That's, that's all I can right, say. Or something. Uh, zombies, 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 zombies. Okay. Um, and yeah, it's no, like I, it's not great, but it's just worth a watch. I would say. Okay. I'm definitely. And I guess the last one for me that I don't know if it's a rom com, but I think deserves some shout outs because we just don't shout out enough things really this is uh easy a with emma stone oh, that's i think this movie is really good really really good i don't know if it's a rom-com but it's really good i'm like no i'm trying to remember it i haven't seen it in a minute she only she only she gets with the letter. guy at the very very end really you know i guess it's more it's, of a coming of age and it's centered around like a totally I mean, her lack of having a relationship, right? It's not really driven around any relationships at all. It's sort of like a like a teen coming of age comedy, but with romance. Yeah, I think that's right. I think that's right. Um, but anyways, hopefully, for all those listening, you've picked up a few new movies to watch after this, and I know all three of us have. Um. Damn, we, that was mammoth. We just fucking killed it. <laughs> and again, like I said a little bit ago, I feel like we we have to dive into Selling Sunset for a few minutes. We'd be we'd be crazy not to. We have the controversial figure herself here with us. I think we have to. So so for anyone that hasn't or has seen the show, Netflix, Selling Sunset. It's this real estate reality show set in Los Angeles where Alex and I live. And there's three seasons out currently. Alex is in a couple episodes in the first season. And basically I'm a Z-list actor. (laughs) (laughs) Which, fuck, Z sounds way cooler than like D. True. So You might as well be Z if you're going to be D, right? Yeah. So she's on the Z list and she's in season one in a couple episodes, which you wouldn't, you'd think typically if anyone is a, you know, on a couple episodes of a show, it's no big deal. But funny enough, it, she's somehow become a bit of a, whenever people talk about this show online, somehow her name is in the mix about this, this, this girl in season one and, it's typically controversial because some people tend to think that Alex was uh, not the nicest on the show. And some people I don't think feel that way at all, but it's led to some uh, interesting reactions to say the least. And some mystery as well. There was randomly like an article or two recently about, Oh, what's who, we need to learn more about Alexandra from WAG from season one of Selling Sunset. And so maybe we can get a little bit of info for anyone that may be interested right now. So who is Alexandra Curran? Who is she? So first of all, what I think a lot of people get confused when they watch it they, oh, she didn't buy that house or she, you know, blah, blah, blah. Did you buy that house? Did I buy the house? The house was purchased by someone I know, but 
I do not physically live in the house. No. So I did not pay for that house with my money, but I was a stand-in for someone else that I do know who did purchase the house. There you have it. There you have it. And yeah, so it's it pretty much how did you get, why were you, like, how did you get approached to be on the show? So I obviously worked for WAG um, back then and our office was next to the Oppenheim group. So I was very familiar with the two twins that own it and I'd see them all the time and they needed someone to be on the show to be the person that purchased that house specifically because they did actually sell that house to someone um, that I know. And yeah, so I I really went into it think, not even knowing it was a Netflix show. I was like, oh yeah, sure, I'll film something for you. Like I've done little things like that prior. And I show up the first day and they're like miking me up and I'm like, oh, this is new. This is a new experience. Like why am I getting all this <laughs> stuff put on my like pants and shirt and and then they're like, I meet these two girls who I actually didn't know who Chriselle was at the time. She's, you know, been in um, Days of Our Lives and, or was it Days of Our Lives or Young and the Restless? One, One of, of the two. Um, so yeah, yeah. And so I really didn't know who she was and I'm introduced to these two girls and they asked me to do the scene. And I'm like, sure. Come to find out later that it's going to be aired on Netflix. And I'm like, oh, okay. Like, so there's going to be something little on Netflix. When it airs, come to find out that millions of pe- people around the world are watching it. So yeah, it was, I, that's how I came to be on the show. It was just cause I knew people, but I really actually didn't know what the show was going to be. Right. You more did it the way that it was, you know, always explained to me was just, you were essentially asked to do it as a favor to these guys because you would always run into them and they knew you and they they wanted someone to be that stand-in and they thought why not ask you and yeah and I had I literally had no clue like what I was doing right you just thought oh it's a cool different experience yeah. I'll do it. you weren't and even the- paid for it <laughs> yeah no well no i'm saying like I get, no i was not paid for it no i'm no. saying i don't yeah. think anyone was outside of the people i don't think anyone that was on that show in season one yeah i can't really comment on that because i don't know the situation of payment but no i wasn't i i did it as a favor that's yeah. what i went into it and then i did film for a few days so a few weekends but yeah it was just I thought I was like, oh, cool, have some acting under my belt. Yeah, I'll never forget. You were like texting me from it, being like, oh, yeah, like I'm at this set today. <laughs> like, this, and there was like, you know, the thing that, um, that goes, what is that called? Oh, the slate, like the, the yeah, when they go yeah, action. action yeah. And that's like, that was all real. And I was just like, what's going on? And it actually, funnily enough, said Always Sunny in Philadelphia on it. Oh, that's Maybe hilarious. it was from that show. I'm not that's sure. That's hilarious. <laughs> but oh, my God. Like, amazing. I actually have a photo of it on my phone. Oh. Um, but yeah, it was bizarre. And it's been bizarre just the last year of the show's popularity. As each as the new seasons come out, you, I feel like it, it's gained so much more popularity and you end up getting reached out to a lot by people randomly. Yeah. It just, every time a season gets dropped, it's like a rush of new 
new people watching it. And of course, during COVID that people have been at home watching it. So everyone's watching everything. Oh yeah. And it's, uh, do you want, do you want to tell the story since it's of course all fine at this point with the, the phone issue? Oh yeah. So funny story. Um, if you watch this, the episodes I'm in and, and I believe it's the part when Chriselle is in the office and she gives me a call and she holds her phone in a way that actually shows my phone number. So it's, it's hard to see unless you actually pause it and really, really look at it and see what it says. So once it aired the first time, I started getting a lot of phone calls, like random phone calls, random text messages of like dudes texting me, like being like, hey, look at my, you know, photo with my dog. Like, isn't my dog cute? And I'm like, who are you? Who is this? How'd you get this phone number? And then eventually after the many calls and texts, finally one guy was nice enough to be like, oh, you can see it on the show. So... I ended up changing my phone number. Sorry to say, you cannot reach me on that phone number. 408-317-8976 is not a valid phone number yeah. anymore. Stop <laughs> sending your dick pics to I know. Stop, stop telling you, not dick pics, dog pics. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes, they... I love dogs, but yeah. yeah. So that was just a little bit crazy and annoying. And of course, I get negative comments a lot of the time through different platforms people track me down somehow and I haven't looked on Reddit and stuff because I've been warned not to. Yeah, people are very mean online and and I think what they need to realize and they'll hear it from you right here. That is, first of all, they just learned you were essentially a rep, you know, a stand-in for someone else that bought this, but the lines that a couple people tend to think of where they say, oh, you were so rude or this or that. Oh, yeah, for my fans. My time time is important. (laughs) Okay? So was that actually your reaction or did they tell you to say that essentially? Without saying anything, I am a very, very, very introverted person and I hate conflict. So... If you put those two things together, do you think I'm that mean of a person? Well, I guess not aggressive of a person. Yeah, yeah. Probably judge if you've been listening to the podcast for the last few hours. I mean, we know she think... likes sweet films from the late eighties. I mean I know. Like what type of monster could this be? Yeah. <laughs> uh it's true. Yeah, I'm such a monster, but <laughs> <laughs> but it's so, it's just so funny too. You never realize like for me being a z-list you know <laughs> i get i get quite a lot of messages and things and the things people say like it's kind of funny when they're like you were so mean blah 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 like uh you you should go to hell all these mean things and i'm like okay so who's the mean person here me because i said something on a tv show or you because you're saying something to a total stranger <laughs> Like, it's just bizarre. 
Yeah, it really is. It's 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 terrible. By the way, our dog Norman, who's who is on the show? Oh yeah, who's he, on Selling he Sunset? Makes a little cameo. He's the reason for all the dog pics. Bye. He makes a nice little cameo, but he's going nuts right now over one of his toys. So if you hear something banging around, that's that's what it is. He's literally on top of me trying to get this thing right now. Um, but I want to shout out Norman, but I don't want people to to pass out drunk. You know. <laughs> You already said you shout already out. You already did it. Oh, shit. Oh, shit. <laughs> At the end of this podcast, we will be listing out all the things and ways you can get drunk listening. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so, anywho, though, yeah, it, it really is fucked up. Like, and you have to think, for someone who is this, I mean, Alex, make no mistake about it, she realizes, like, like she said, Z-list. Seriously, she's on a couple <laughs> episodes of, of a Netflix life. show. But for this many people to message her and take this much time out of their day to say mean things sometimes, one, yes, you really think about even if that had been, you know, her real reaction, who the fuck takes the time out of their day to do this? These people are the problem, too. Fuck, think about anyone else that is an like actual celebrity. I'm like it's if they crazy. say that to me, what did they say to people that were on Team Aniston? To Jolie. <laughs> like Holy shit. I I can't even I'm I'm like even like who's someone that's just like a sort of a random level like think about one of like think about like this is such a random like shout out drink again but think about like taco from the league guys in like not a lot else someone of that level i feel like must get blown up all the time like you know what i mean yeah is mike still there (laughs) did we lose mike i'm here i'm here Mike fell asleep listening. Yeah, it's late over in London. You know, we, we give him, we I, gotta give him I, I, I passed out from all the shout outs. Uh, He's no, already drunk. Sorry, I'm, I'm on Reddit right now reading about Alex and selling sunset. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. It's, oh, my it's... God. Here's a thread just called Alex. Alexander from WAG was needlessly rude. <laughs> It's just so fucked up. Like people will just like criticize someone and they'll say mean things about them for no reason. And it's like, if they're doing this about Alex, man, I, I got to yeah, say, I feel I, for every. I give oh it my to those actors that like are in the spotlight all the time because you never, and I'm not like, oh, you know, I understand what it's like now. No, not saying that at all. I'm saying just, it's so funny how, even like the smallest thing that's been said to me can actually get to me and make me a little bit sad and upset that the things that must be said to these people and people are, people are human beings. They take it to heart. Mm -hmm. Like if something's not is being said about you, that's not nice. It's going to hurt. Totally. And it's just so it's very interesting. So I guess if anyone who has said anything mean to someone is listening you know, think about it. They're a human being too. And you, it's just, it's cruel. Yeah. Think twice before you send something or say something mean to someone because you really don't know. 
You don't know them. No. You know them from a screen, which... And you need to remember most reality shows, very sadly, these days are in some form scripted. <laughs> if so... you think reality is looking fucking hot as shit 24-7 and never waking up with eye boogers and no makeup <laughs> and you've got something coming for you. <laughs> it's going to be a shock. Oh. Uh. But yeah, there's like, so there's like full-fledged conspiracy theories about you. Yes, <laughs> I can't even believe where these people are talking. This is hilarious. I can't even read this. This is so mean that it's funny. I know. One, one redditor wishes honestly that it was scripted. So maybe I'll leave it at that. <laughs> well, uh, Mike, you're you're going down a rabbit hole now. You're gonna have to watch Selling Sunset. Yeah, I literally am gonna go down this rabbit hole for the rest of the night. <laughs> <laughs> the, these people are great. Oh my god! Isn't this insane? I mean, you this knowing Alex in real life. COVID. This is my favorite story of the week. Ooh, it's I to get controversial. I, I can't even believe that people say this stuff. But yeah, this can is you believe there are Reddit threads on her? This is a community I want to be a part of. <laughs> oh, just, just you know, make a unless you have a username already, make one and just join in. Join oh, in I on do. the fun. I'm I'm an avid redditor. I cannot wait. Oh my god! Yeah. I didn't even know there was an R slash selling sunset. Wow, evening complete. Yeah, <laughs> amazing. But yeah, yeah. It's crazy, and yeah, I'd say. Anyways, though, I think Alex would say. With all this said, a couple you know unfortunate things that come out of it. You seemed overall to, to really enjoy the experience. No, it was a fun experience, and I like working with both um Chriselle and Christine you know they were all super nice yeah no no one was rude to me I wasn't rude to anyone like it was a great and fun experience and I can say I've been on a Netflix tv show which is pretty cool yeah you know I don't plan to pursue acting I don't think anyone wants me to pursue acting (laughs) which I'm totally fine with if there's any negative comments about that totally cool but, but yeah, it was a fun experience. I'm glad I did it. And, you know, I hope, you know, there are some nice people so, that really actually enjoyed watching someone that has been in a big company and done well. And so, yeah, there's good and bad and just the bad ones you just have to shrug off. And, yeah. And say, eh, leave that there. <laughs> yeah. So... It was, uh, I think we can wrap it up there, but it's, it was quite the experience as you all could tell. And now Alex is back in, back in her startup world outside of that, that, uh, one-time acting job. Yeah. You know, maybe you'll see me on another show for the new job. Who knows? Who knows? <laughs> I'm but... like, you know, Dax Shepard, he's doing something with cars, you know, love to be on your show. <laughs> I'll ride my little wheels bike around. Yeah. So she works She works at wheels now, that startup. But anyway, yes. And she loves Dax. So Dax, if you want to have Alex on your show, if on you your podcast. If you want me on your podcast, give me a shout. <laughs> I am here to tell you. Do, do you have to take like half of a shot if you just say shout? Oof. Yeah, I, there's so there's. I'm giving Dax Shepard okay. a full shout out. Take the yeah, shot. But, oh, no. but definitely, I think 
we all need to listen back on this and make a game of it every time we said Joan, every time we said. <laughs> yeah, I feel like I feel like it's. Ooh, I'd say. I mean, this could kill a person, but <laughs> I think every time. Is it a different liquor for each person? Ooh, <laughs> wow, that truly would kill someone. Do we? Can we do like a? Do we say a full on shot or do we say like a a, a sip? No, a sips like I we can't you do could a sip. sip. No, we can't do a sip. I, I think we like, might have to leave it up to the people to send us in the rules. Yeah, send us the rules. We want to hear the and rules. And a disclaimer, do not try this at home. <laughs> yes. And be nice to Alex, you creeps. <laughs> Thank you. Exactly. Mike, Mike is like mortified probably after seeing the Reddit. I've seen it and it He's is probably fucking like, who weird. is this girl? I, I, this is this is a real issue. I know. But anyway. I know. You know, I was I have a one time acting career too. One time I was in a play in high school and it didn't go well. <laughs> and I have to feel your pain. Oh. Uh, hey, a play? That's 20 times yep. more stressful. Yeah, it's in front of a I live played, audience. I played four minor roles in a production of Cabaret at Massac High School <laughs> in 2006. Cabaret? <laughs> <laughs> that Life was is pretty- a cabaret. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just shouting out Schitt's Creek. And Moira. Moira. <laughs> cabaret! <laughs> <laughs> Uh, well, now that everyone is passed out drunk, I think it's time for us to let you all go. Yeah, enjoy that hangover tomorrow. Yeah, it's been a fun one today. It's been real. So, good. so many takes, so many shout outs, so many invented shots. a drinking game on the fly. Yeah, this has Let's, been. We need to hear from you. I'm sure we've said some things that everybody disagrees with. Yes. So please reach out to us. Let us know what you think. Please tell us the drinking the drinking game rules. If you want to email us, you can get us at top5sanddeepdives at gmail.com. If you want to find us on Instagram, we're at top5sanddeepdives. And we'll definitely be having Alex back in the future. She's already claimed the Christmas episode. So <laughs> Christmas special. Christmas special. So we'll be back. And, and thanks to her for joining us today. And it's been real, y'all. Yeah, thank you. Thank you, Schwiggy Shard. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. Schwiggy. Schwiggy. She just tried to be. (laughs) Oh, my God. On that note, shout out John Cusack. (laughs) Peace. (laughs) Goodbye, all. (laughs) 